Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep, the application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. This episode brought to you by the following patrons. Stephanie Wolfrick, Natasha Sophia, Goradica Vance, Cody, Boezy, Jeremy, Bruder, Ali, Nathan, Jennifer with a PH, Mr. Ragebomb, Libby, Wes, Dreskel, Aaron, Danielle, Kristen, Tia, Lauren, Jonathan, Kate, Alex, Isaac, and Karun. And all the patrons want you to know you're loved, you're listened to, and you're a valuable member of this awesome Horror Virgin community. And if you want to hang out with us, please do so in the Facebook group or Discord servers where we hang out daily. Paige, you tell me if this is ruining a fun fact but is it true mm. that linda blair hurt her back carrying this whole film on her shoulders <laughs> oh that's actually ruining a couple fun facts and not in the way that you think <laughs> It's wild to me that Mikey has some positive young girl takes after our Aliens episode. <laughs> I mean, especially because in this movie, she was orchestrating all of the evil. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, do you guys think that like on a modern lens, a movie about a child killing priests isn't that bad? <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you for tuning into Horror Virgin. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your Horror Virgin, Todd, which means I don't like rewatching scary movies, but you guys make me rewatch them. But this week, Paige is really the Horror Virgin because she's yeah, never seen the movie we're time. doing, which is The, the Exorcist. Exorcist. I'm so excited about this because, Paige, I am thrilled that finally someone else is the horror virgin. And yeah. Mikey wasn't on the first episode we did because this is the first episode we ever did. And he has like the, uh, tons of mental health experience. So I'm excited oh, about yes. this. I'm not going to lie to you, Todd. One, I have not watched The Exorcist in probably 20 years. But you watched it today, right? Yes. Okay, and so good. at the end, I was like, is this really what happened yep. in this movie? Yeah. Yeah. So, Paige, your first time seeing it was today or last night, maybe. Last night. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Okay. What'd you think? I actually really liked it. Nice. Um, yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I did enjoy it. I, I still find it scary at, at parts, honestly. Oh, I think that there are some scary parts. Like, I've never seen pea soup look so disgusting. Oh, every time I've seen split pea soup, it looks like this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what? I'll, bur I'll burn a fun fact real real early on that on that one just because specifically it is anderson's pea soup not campbell's 
uh, because they didn't like the way Campbell's looked on camera. But Anderson's... <laughs> Get your shit together, Campbell's! Come on! Anderson's is specifically a company that makes pea soup. That's like their specialty. And they have a couple restaurants in California still. I don't know if they have them anywhere else. They might. But it's Pea Soup Anderson's. And it's like a whole like giant windmill restaurant... And they serve the pea soup with like toppings that you get to like put in it. And then they have like a bunch of other stuff at the restaurant. But it's like a weird tourist trap thing in California. So when they were like, oh, it was Anderson's. I was like, wild. Okay, (laughs) sure. Um, I do think uh, I I am torn. Just like Natalie Ambrulia. Yes. I'm a lot of faith. That's how I feel. A lot of lyrics in that song are very prescient to this episode. Yes. <laughs> Honestly, yes. I love a slow burn. I think the camera work in this film is oh my phenomenal. God. Paige, I was 100% going to say that. Specifically, a shot that stands out to me is when um, Father Rocky Balboa is running around the track. Yes. And the cameraman tracks him through the bleachers and then settles on the cop like that being so steady and they probably filmed this in 72 right that's insane yes that cameraman must have been the best cameraman in the business i mean i could do that shot now with the modern technology we have but in the 70s they didn't have gimbals you know like it was a different thing there's multiple shots like that there's when he goes to visit his mom there's a shot that pulls back down the street and then follows children jumping over cars and then pushes in and follows him up into the apartment. And those shots are like, they're hard to get now. Like there's so many things like there's one where it's shot from inside Reagan's room and the hallway is lit and you're, it's literally like picture framed through the hallway that you're watching people. Uh And that was fucking great too. This is a beautifully shot film and the print. It's so well directed. I think it's just, yeah. I mean, this is why it's a classic, right? And then that's why it's a classic. I mean, the, the print that HBO has also is a great print because it, the color pops. It's very sharp. It's not blurry. And we, we should say we all watched it on HBO, which I think yes. is not the director's cut. You it's said, not Paige? the director's cut. Okay. But to be honest, I know the director's cut has the spider walk. I have seen it. Yeah. The pacing for me would dictate that I probably would prefer this cut over directors. I could see that. This is already a slow burn. So if you add footage to it, it's going to be even slower of a burn. So. And and here's my, here's my frustration with it. Cause I, I was getting really frustrated in the first hour. The first hour of this movie is very slow. It is. Um, but and, <laughs> and and I just kind of reminded myself, I was like, you know what? There are other movies where you feel like the first hour is really slow. And then when you get through the, the next hour, you're like, oh, shit, I needed all of that information. I just didn't know yeah. that I needed it. Yeah. I think this movie has some of that, some of it. Because by the time I got through the second hour, I was like, okay, that, that first hour is not as slow as I thought. Because there are things that like... Yeah, there's important... And then like, if you look at this movie in like historical context, like there wasn't a movie like this before this, pretty much. Yeah, and I, I mean, do I think that you could, with a pretty precise editing knife, cut another 20 minutes out of this movie? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely you could. Would I? Would I ask you to... No, I will leave it as is. However, mm-hmm. viewing this through a 2022 lens is very interesting because they get a lot of things about Satanism, witchcraft, the occult wrong. Just full wrong. Uh, they get a lot of things about exorcisms. Full wrong. Uh, this is very much a movie influenced by the satanic panic 
at the time. And this movie really kicks off. It was sort of at the beginning of it. Yes, it yeah. kicks a lot of it off in America. Absolutely. Yeah. Like when this gets released, all hell breaks loose. But from a storytelling point of view and a camera point of view, this is so well done. And it's one of those things where like, even as it was slow, I was like, this is so slow, but it is beautiful. And then like, when I got to the end, I was like, I get it. I get why this is a classic. And not every effect holds up for sure. Uh, but like in a theater, I think this would still scare me. And I still found it scary last night in part because exorcism it's it's the thing that bugs me it really is it gets me too man yeah spiritual possession movies spiritual yeah. jump scare oh. heavy movies which this is not jump scare heavy but like the nun being a good example of that lane oh that's bullshit i well i mean the nun is a bad movie with good jump scares in it or scary jump scares in it this is a good movie that doesn't have with any no jump, jump scares, scares really it made me think of uh conjuring 2 yeah which it is not as satanic panicky as Conjuring 3. Conjuring 3 is the one that's like full nonsense. Yeah. But Conjuring 2, I felt very, it has kind of a similar vibe, a similar story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is just filmed better with a better handle on the storytelling to a degree. And part of that is some of those cuts. And because this was based on a book. Yeah. So like you have that baseline to kind of help you out. But it made me wish that Ed and Lorraine Warren were more flawed in The Conjuring like they are in real life. But then they couldn't be the Christian superheroes, Paige. Yeah. I know. You can't be Christian superheroes when you're fucking your babysitter and your wife knows and is just like trying to lie about it to everyone publicly. But it it just made me think of like, that I think that's why I appreciate the character of Father Karras so much is because he is so human. Father Damien? Yeah. Well, his last name's Karras, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, like... He he has human problems, fears, frustrations. He doesn't immediately buy into exorcism as a tool to use in this case. I think he thinks it's bullshit until this case. At least that's the way it's positioned. That's, that's how you should be. Yeah. Here's the thing. The reason exorcism movies bother me so much is because I, I grew up in a religious household. I still believe that you shouldn't fuck with the spirit world. Same. But I also wholeheartedly believe that before you try to do an exorcism on anybody you should ex- you should exercise every medical option <laughs> like this should be your last 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 resort like this is I and mean, that is exactly what happens in this movie and this is something i don't think like modern exorcism movies do but like in modern exorcism movies it seems like everyone is a believer i sort of like in this movie that chris the mom is like an yeah. atheist. She may not say she's an atheist. I don't remember her saying it, but it's clear she's not like a believer believer. Yeah, the coastal elite Hollywood liberal. Yeah, I got it. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily classify her as atheist as more agnostic, where I think she just doesn't sure. care. Like it's yeah. it's not something that enters into her day-to-day life, which is fine. But I also I I kind of like that. I mean, in modern movies, and it's because they're trying to get you to the exorcism because yes. that's the that's scary. I mean, in a movie called The Exorcist, it's really just like the last 20 minutes of the movie, right? Yeah. Well, okay, that's my favorite part is that basically before this film, exorcisms and this stuff wasn't super in the horror realm from my understanding. Right. I could no, be wrong. that's correct. Yeah, you're But they correct. spent like a lot of time being like, this is what an exorcism is, which we don't have to do in modern times because of this film. Yeah. You know, like 
It's in the lexicon now. You know what I mean? Because of this film. That's kind of the interesting thing is because this movie gets a lot of stuff wrong, but other movies base everything off this film. So like that, like that's this movie shapes the way exorcism is viewed in film today, even though that's not necessarily accurate. But it's because you couldn't go against it at this point because this movie has set the precedent. This is part of why I really liked Last Exorcism too. Yeah. Where like he, because he spends a lot of time setting up mm-hmm. like all of it and then being like, oh shit, she needs to get to a hospital. Yeah. Like I, I do appreciate that. But also like, I mean, because this movie plays so much into like the numerology and the like this thing and, and this specific prayer and this order and this, the Catholics only do this for blah, blah, blah. Paige, during the exorcism when um, the old priest is like saying the prayers and he's expecting um, the call and response. Yeah, the call and response section. Exactly. And he's like, Father, give me the response or whatever. I'm like, yeah, yeah. This time I started laughing. I was like, that ain't really doing shit, dog. Like, I- <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, it's not like if you mess up the order, you're fucked. Like, I know. I'm sorry, you didn't solve the Rubik's Cube exactly right, so the demon's <laughs> yes, not going to leave. What? Like, what? They do both die in this exorcism, so yeah, maybe do. this isn't a good blueprint for all of that. Maybe, you're right, Mikey, but one of them dies from, I'm assuming, heart failure from being old, and the other one sacrifices himself for Reagan. Like, I sort of like the ending of this movie, even though it is sad. I think the thing I'm most sad about is no one, like, blocked off those stairs you know and was like don't walk down these stairs two people have died on these stairs in a week we need to address why they're not working correctly we need an escalator (laughs) (laughs) or like i've read social experiments where they'll change like the height and depth of stairs and it just causes people to trip all the time because stairs over time have been standardized right yeah so like if you go to like a historic home that has different size stairs like people will trip and stuff so like in my mind those stairs were built in like 1720 and they're like wrong they're like not the standard size so motherfuckers just be tripping down the stairs and dying so here's what's terrible historical stairs are usually easier for me because people used to be shorter shorter, yeah (laughs) (laughs) this is why Paige wants a historic home oh my god yes would love one Uh, but specifically a mid-century ranch which is one story but well and then you don't have to worry about the demonic small stairs yeah, exactly. Just whatever starlet died there, plus <laughs> stairs down into the bunker I'm going to build. Um, so, you know, it'll be fine. But no, I actually I actually enjoyed this much more than I thought I would. And I would actually kind of like to see it in theaters if I get the chance. I mean, it, it's a classic. Yeah, I bet you could see this in the theaters pretty easily just because yeah. I'm sure theaters, we have one in town called Belcourt that does like midnight showings of like classic movies or just like cult following movies yeah. that I love. Like I love the Belcourt and I'm sure LA has like nine of those. We only have one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like every neighborhood has their own. What I learned in this movie the first time I watched it was you can be a archaeologist priest you can be a yeah. priest that barely does any like sermons, but works out the majority of his day. Like I went into the wrong profession is what I'm saying. Like if I could just be an archaeologist priest, that sounds dope as shit. Here's what's really interesting. I mean, I can't speak for all of Catholicism. I didn't grow up Catholic. That's not the version of Jesus I had. But I do, I do know that like in my time, I've encountered people who were like archaeologists or scientists even and then got ordained. So it's like a two. Yeah. But the most common one I see is 
what I will call like counselor priest. Sure. But usually in my experience, they don't send them to Harvard <laughs> or what, or Johns Hopkins. I went to grad school with a priest. Yeah, I'm sure you did. Like, yeah. getting his counseling degree. Yeah. Well, yeah. and Father Karras in the movie is a psychiatrist too. Like I really dug that aspect of and it. And you know what we talked about in class? What sex felt like? No, I was like, are exorcisms <laughs> yeah. real? Did, did you ask him? A hundred percent. That's the first thing I would ask someone in that situation, Mike. I was like, one. How many moms hit on you? Two. Because, like, when you have a relationship with a priest where you never met at church, like, you, like he was like a friend in class. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. can I ask you, like, silly, stupid questions about being a priest? He's like, of course. Yeah, please. No one ever asked me those questions. I'm like. Yeah. In, in my experience, most priests that I have encountered are way willing to answer stupid questions. Yeah. And he's like, yes, there are exorcisms. There's still a special school. I don't want to get involved in any of that shit. Because he cursed a lot, too, which I thought was... Fuck, yeah, I love that. Rock and roll priest, from what I understand of the special school. He's like, don't call me father. Call me daddy. Oh. All right, Fleabag, (laughs) let's do this shit. Um, Oh, Fleabag season two was so good, Paige. Yes, hot priest. Phoebe Waller-Bridge is the only reason I want to see Indiana Jones 5. What do you mean 5? 4 doesn't exist. Yeah, exactly. And I like a good re- comeback story, you know, a good redemption story. <laughs> I didn't hate 4, and I realize that's a road y'all can't walk down I don't want to talk about that. I can't carry down the path of destruction. Mikey, I, I think we need to contact the church about having an exorcism for Todd. I just can't wait till we can start doing our action movie podcast and I make you guys watch 4. Oh, God. No. First off, there's like barely any action in it. That's not CGI. Oh, I was about to say, um, I'm pretty sure I saw Shia LaBeouf swinging from vines with a bunch of monkeys and then sword fight in a jeep that's about to go off of a cliff. Did you hear the sentence you just said? <laughs> that movie, Here, here's why I hate that movie from a screenwriting perspective. They blow their load 40 minutes into the movie and then yep. the rest of the movie is worthless and uninteresting because you know the end to piggyback off that it is very obvious they took three different scripts for indiana jones 4 and smushed them all the fuck together and like it's like and then you can tell which movie you're in depending on the scene like the whole 1950s red scare part was like it's definitely its own movie yes i hate hate that fucking movie (laughs) anyway back to this movie so part of the reason the special school exists is because if you're not careful during an exorcism people die and it's actually really common for people to die during exorcisms because people take it too fucking far that's why people don't do them anymore yeah they forget to feed them and give them water during the like four days yeah because they are legit torturing a mentally ill person (laughs) yes i mean it's not that they're doing an exorcism it's that they're torturing someone they don't know how to control yeah or they'll break their ribs or or the person involved will accidentally hurt themselves like it's very very dangerous to do and also a lot of times people will try to do it to children and that's extremely dangerous like that will kill people and so modern catholic exorcisms usually exorcisms in in the christian church are kind of hands off at this point where it's a lot of like we pray over you and then we stand over here, um, which is is a whole different ballgame. But like in some parts of the world where exorcism is still legal and widely practiced, it is 
deadly. It is very dangerous. I don't know if you remember this, Mikey, but like way back when we were doing story times on um, Patreon as bonus episodes, I did a story time about someone who died mm-hmm. in the UK in like 2018 from an exorcism his family did. Kennedy Ife, I think was his name. Yeah. I don't remember the specifics of the case. It's still on Patreon if you want to go watch it. But like, I mean, his family killed him and were cleared of all charges, which is nuts to me. But that's wrong. Oh. I get that question a lot of like when I see somebody psychotic, like you ever seen somebody possessed? And I was like, I've seen a lot of people who said they were possessed. Yeah. And, and a lot of people whose possession cleared up with the right medication. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and they've also they never like floated a bed or like spit out pea soup at me or like, you know, yeah. took the voice of my dead grandmother to yell at me. But I would be interested to see that. I mean, like, if I run into it, it's going to be that. I would be definitely like Father Damien, like, all right, people. But then, like, if it, like, takes the voice of my dead relative telling me, like, really specific things, it'd be like, we may have a situation here. Yeah, we're going to have to call the Vatican immediately. But I just said, wait, Mikey, I'm an atheist, and I fully, like. I know your philosophy where you're like, I don't believe in anything. I'm not going to fuck with anything. Exactly. There's no reason to fuck with it. But here's the thing. that That is where I'm at on exorcism. Same. Pretty much 100% of the time where I'm just like, I believe in mental health. But also, if your head turns all the way around, I am leaving the fucking room. I am not yeah. sticking around. Unless one of your parents is an owl, your neck's not going to do that. I mean, like, like a spiritual, like a, like a spiritual contact. This is going to be, this is going to sound, I don't, I've never talked about like religious stuff too much, but like. Like the concept of faith means like believing in something without evidence and like right. you know that's a big part of Christianity and like Jesus and and all of that and I think that would kind of if all of a sudden evil appears in the flesh and is like real and like throwing houses at each other you're like well I guess you know I did have some faith before but like <laughs> seeing the actual devil like that pretty much puts a nail into that right like kind of <laughs> yeah, ruins pretty- that concept of faith so faith is like my problem with all of religion right if I have to have faith in it it isn't necessarily real if I have to believe in something unseen once you fucking see it it's not faith and it is real we just need right. to address the issue at hand so like Mikey I completely agree with that outlook yes how funny would it be to y'all if it looks like Real evil exists, and you're like, holy shit. But then who comes out of the sky? L. Ron Hubbard. Like, the, the last person you expect, shit. you're just like, wait, that's the guy? If at like, the end no. of this movie, Reagan was like, I gotta get the Sea Org together. I need you to sign a life contract. <laughs> like, that shit would have been amazing. <laughs> you're just like, whoa, what? <laughs> like, because here's the thing. You know, someone's going to be wrong, right? About who they had faith in, obviously. Or didn't have faith in. Honestly. Or didn't have faith in. As far as all of our religious beliefs, I hope I'm wrong. Because, like, I hope there's an afterlife. That shit would be dope. Yeah, right? It'd be pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. So, Mikey, what did you think about it this time watching it? Yeah. Oh, I think it's hard watch at 7 a.m. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that, I think, is chalked up a lot to your personal choices and not necessarily the movie's fault. But I will grant the premise because I also watched it at 7 (laughs) (laughs) a.m. I I think it's so well made. Yes. And I'm not going to call it elevated horror just because. But, like, I I can't imagine being in the 70s and, like, not seeing a film like this. Because, basically, horror wasn't 
as scary as it could be like you know you see a lot of movies from the 50s that i was gonna bring this up it's a whole different vibes this would scare the shit out of you seeing it fresh in theaters yeah. or whatever like without any cultural concept of this yeah oh, like we've good. seen so many what i would call scarier versions of this exact movie yes. like a young girl gets possessed uh-huh. movies we've seen so many scarier versions of this and when you look at the poster now the poster for this movie is like you know the old priest in front of the house with the light That's on him such a good shot it's so cool looking it's a Great poster, right? And the mm-hmm. shot in the movie that correlates to that poster is amazing. Page. You're right. I was like gasping. Yeah. But right under that on the poster, it says the scariest movie of all time. And it makes me laugh now because it's certainly not now. But in 72, I buy that. Like, this would have been scary in 72. The effects were good. The effects still hold yes. up. Yes. I mean, like. I don't think they treated their actors well. Oh, I think no, this no. was the 70s. Real... No, definitely yeah. not. We'll go. You can go into that in fun facts or not so fun facts. No. But like, also, yeah. like, it spends a lot of time setting up, like, realistic horror, if you will, yeah. of, like, yes. the mom going all the way down the medical track and, like, being so frustrated and scared for her daughter. And then, like, the doctors are like, oh, we don't fucking know. Like, go get a priest or whatever. And you're like, what? Yeah. Which is bonkers. Yeah. Hearing that now. Oh, some of the medical treatments they go through are also bonkers. And some of the things that they recommend. And, and when they're first like, you need to find a psychiatrist. And they're like, we found one. And it's just a hypnotist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I love that, that that hypnotist is like, the demon inside you is also hypnotized and has to tell me the truth. I'm like, Bitch, <laughs> do you know what a demon is? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've totally done that when someone was like, I don't want to go with you. The person inside me is telling me that they don't trust you. And I was like, well, is there anything I could tell you? to make the person inside you trust me enough to get you to go with me and they're like yeah this and i was like all right (laughs) (laughs) so i mean it happens (laughs) but i (laughs) but i i i had forgotten the i thought father damien lived oh no for some reason i feel i don't and i'm i mixed up the last 30 minutes right i'm with you because like i knew the i knew at the end someone fell down the steps the stairs yes yes. i thought it was going to be max von sydow's character that's what i thought was kind of sad when it wasn't. I have not listened to that original Exorcist episode probably since it aired in 2018. Uh-huh. The one thing I remember from it and still makes me laugh to this day is Clint referring to Max von Sadow or however you say his name. Yeah. Saying that he looked like hammered shit in this movie. And that to me was like the funniest descriptor I've ever heard in my life. I'll burn a fun fact because I got I got fun facts out the butt for Hell this one. Yeah. Like so many. He was only 44 at the time that he filmed this movie. Yes. You could have told me Father Karras was 44 and I'd have been like, yeah, that makes sense. I think Father Karras probably is about 44. But no, uh, he Max von Sydow was 44 and he would sit in makeup for three hours a day to look that old. Because they Damn. would put liquid latex over his skin and deliberately stretch it so that it would retract. Yeah, he's in movies until like 2008. Like, like he lived yeah. a long time. Good for him, man. I mean, he's great in this movie. I had no qualms about him or his performance. I just thought that that was a funny way to describe how he looks in this movie. I love him in everything he's in. Yeah. But yeah, I I, I liked it. I don't think it's as scary as it was, but I, I really, I, I liked it. The first hour, though, is, is kind of a, that much exposition. And you can tell what they're doing of like, the audience has no concept of like what an exorcism is. Most of them, especially non-Catholics. And the audience has no concept of a movie like this, really. I mean, there there are other things happening around this time that are kind of a little similar. But like, you have to imagine that this is an audience where up until this point, you know, they've had Hitchcock, right? Right. And they've had like Night of the Living Dead. Right. the The very first one, the black and white. But then horror for a lot of time before that was a lot of like creature feature midnight Mm -hmm. 
what they do have a lot of that I have been watching religiously because it's on Pluto app is Twilight Zone. And I feel like in some ways Twilight Zone is closer to this kind of thing than some of those older things because a lot of it holds the fuck up. Um, But this is really a departure from what people are used to at the time. Yeah. And it's about the fucking devil and they're not fucking ready for it and it terrifies people. Yeah. I think the scariest thing in this movie is how the doctors talk to Chris, the mom, because Good they Lord, are yes. super gaslighting her the entire movie until they're like, you know what? Fuck it. We don't know. Call a priest or whatever. <laughs> Maybe we should just jump into the movie so we can talk about it scene by scene. Yes. Uh, we open with ominous tones and credits just you know red on black yeah it's the 70s all credits were boring in the 70s it's the 70s and then the first 10 minutes of this movie are the mummy (laughs) (laughs) this is actually the portion of the movie i think you could do without but it is kind of cool because it sets up that indiana jones should have been a priest that worked for the catholic church and like he goes and finds the Pazuki <laughs> idol that like unleashes P- the whatever P- I'm gonna call P- it Pazuki, but like he finds the idol of Pazuki and that unleashes the demon. One of the sequels, I believe, is a prequel of him in yes Cairo, like fighting a demon and then chasing it in archaeology. How have we not like- done the sequels to this? Well, because they're not good. Most of them are not good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've done some sh- We did Blood Diner page. I think that they'll probably be about it. Whoa! Than that. I know, but it, it's also, it's one of those, it's also one of those things where I was like, how could you watch this movie and be like, sequel? That's like watching Hereditary and being like, so what's up for Hereditary 2? Like, let's crazy. Honestly, Paige, what I wanted from a sequel from this is Reagan grows up, goes to exorcism school at the Vatican, yes. and then does her own exorcisms on people. Oh, yeah. woman? Exactly, Mikey, because <laughs> that's the kind of shit she'd deal with. Mikey, that, I know that's not what happens in Pray for the Devil, but, but I wish is. it was. <laughs> it, it, I it wish that was what it was. Based on the trailer, she was possessed and then goes to that Vatican school as a I nun. think her mom was. Ooh, we, we've got it. I want to do that. We got to do that one. Oh, did you know that they're doing an Exorcist remake this year? Really? Yes. It's got like good people attached to it. And I'm shit excited too. for that. I would love to see a exorcism movie that continues to build on the exorcism mythos that it started. Like, I don't want a shot for shot remake. I want them to take all the shit that like the Conjuring series has done pray for the devil or all that shit like all the exorcism movies that have come out i want them to elevate that so it seems like it's a i don't want to say remake but like revisiting a similar story but i think more modern good like when i saw the list of like who was working on it i was like oh shit that might be good so uh we cut to hamanaptra just kidding it is northern iraq uh (laughs) modern day mazul ancient Nineveh yeah and I do have in my notes that because this is 10 minutes of film that could be three minutes of film yeah uh very easily um because there's a lot of long landscape shots and just like but now granted it's because they shot on location yeah this feels very much like hey we went to Iraq I need to show you how much we went to Iraq 
Yes, yeah. 100%. Now, there is one very notable thing here because he does find uh, a medallion as well as uh, this, the statue, the little statue that releases Pazuzu. But the medallion he finds is a St. Joseph medallion and the medallion that Father Karras is wearing later is actually a St. Christopher medallion. Uh, oh, and I specifically looked it up because I was curious. Uh, so St. Joseph is the patron saint of workers and families, but also the patron saint of departed souls and a happy death. Okay. Which is interesting if you think about communicating with the spirit world. Uh, St. Christopher medallions are usually the patron saint of travelers, but it's also one of the most commonly venerated saints as far as jewelry. People wear St. Christopher medallions all the time. They, they used to actually enclose them in army kits where they would just give them to soldiers. Really? Yes. That's kind of yeah, cool, yeah, actually. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we kind of get a sense of him doing his archaeology priest thing. And then he's like, there's something I got to do. And so he like wanders through town, almost gets hit by a couple carts. There's some creepy ladies watching him. But then he gets back to the dig and has this like weird like wind, shadow, sun, barking dogs evil cat moth statue thing with a snake for a dick which they show they show that yeah thing. yeah i was like oh wow that's a snake dick on that monster that he is standing next to that's awesome cool i just call it a regular penis you know that's what I got. <laughs> with mikey's got a snake dick let it hiss at you ladies it rattles <laughs> pazuki is that the demon's name yes pazuzu it's just too silly. That's why I call it Pazuki, because it's a silly Pazuzu name. Pazuzu sounds like a side you would order at some sort of restaurant. Pazuzu sounds like we gave an infant a kazoo, and they're fucking around with it. Pazuzu sounds like a, a, a dish my grandmother made, and it definitely had, like, pears in it and mayonnaise and something other, like, something else. Like That's actually a real dish, Mikey. It's called pear-zuzu, and it's delish. Pear-zuzu. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you gotta put some cheddar cheese on. I love a good pear salad. Oh, yeah. So, Pazuzu is a Mesopotamian from the ancient Mesopotamian religion. Uh, he's the personification of the southwestern wind uh, and held kingship over wind demons. Now, there are a bunch of other statues and pictures of him, and he does not necessarily have a snake dick. It seems like that may have just been added for the movie. However... Was it added because the director thought it was... Sexy, maybe. <laughs> but one of the artifacts that they found of Pazuzu is basically the head, the little tiny sculpture that he finds at this dig. It's almost identical to it. They modeled that off of a real sculpture, uh, which basically was a loop to be strung onto a necklace and worn as a protective charm. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Anyway, so we see him take some pills as well. So we know that he has some sort of health issue. Yeah. We cut to Georgetown where we see Chris McNeil, Ellen Burstyn, working on scripts in bed and she hears a crash and a rattle from the attic. She gets out of bed, goes into the hallway, hears another crash, and she's way too calm about it. Like, if I heard crashes coming from the attic in my house, get the fuck out of the house. <laughs> well, and she just thinks it's rats. She's like, oh, there are rats in the attic again. I'm like, ma'am, those are at least raccoons. Like, that sounds <laughs> bigger than a rat. I mean, the mom pretty much asked for this exorcism. She's not no. wow. the best. Wow. wow. I don't think Chris had anything to do with the uh, unleashing of Pazuki on her daughter. Let's yeah. see. She's never there. There's a living nanny. It, when she is there, she's like drinking with her friend's pan piano while their daughter's trying to sleep. It's just like, you know, maybe if she spent a little bit more quality time with her daughter. Very nonchalant about Ouija boards as well. 
Yes. So what you think, Mikey, is that Reagan is acting out because she needs some parental attention. I mean, that's one interpretation. You could say that <laughs> neglecting your child opens the door for Satan himself to uh, possess her. It's, she definitely pulls a Pazuzu. I mean, I will say it's the 70s and that was the style of parenting more popular at the time. So everyone was kind of in that boat. Yeah, I would have loved to have a kid in the seventies. All you do is like fuck off and like leave him around. Like you just like I, this doesn't affect me. Well, I mean, she's also <laughs> a movie star and she's hired like more or less a governess to like watch her daughter and teach her daughter and stuff. She's got a fucking army of people living in this house. Yeah, she has a staff. She has a staff. Everyone else who lives in the house is like shit's haunted, and I ain't going near that shit. Yeah. <laughs> like everyone else takes it more seriously than her. Also, I have lived in a house where there were rats in the attic. And it's not that loud. It's like a scurry noise. Yeah. You know, so it's like scratching. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's why I was like, they're at least raccoons. Like, they're bigger than rats. Yeah. No, these are rodents of unusual size. Like, th this is somebody in a rat costume running around your attic. Yeah. If it's a rat, you have splinter in your attic, ma'am. <laughs> I was going to make yes. that same joke. <laughs> <laughs> But also, I wouldn't go up in the attic and check. I'd just be like... No, I'd be like, get the fuck out of the house now. You know what kills rats? Fire. Burn it down. I mean, if I heard crashing up in the attic and I didn't expect somebody to be up in the attic, I assume it's a home invasion. Get the fuck out now. Yeah. 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 I don't know why that was not everyone's first thought. I would much rather be embarrassed because the cops are telling me that they found rats in my attic than be dead. A hundred. It's because this elitist mother has no street smarts oh at all. No, Mikey. Wow. You may as well be a doctor in the 70s, Mikey. I miss the good times of medicine and psychiatry where I could just be like, let's build a cage and put Todd in it and see how long he like does okay for. Like They literally tell her they're like, lock her up, man. Like yeah. that that's yeah. basically just lock her up. Like lobotomize her and forget about it. The 70s is when they start making the like human ethical experimentation board. I forget what it's called now, but you have to they like do. It's uh, 77 it's or 78 yeah. uh, So it's, it's a few years after After Milgram's study, yeah Yes, because that's also where they rule That you cannot have sex with your patients They didn't rule that until the 70s? Yep, it was completely legal And widely practiced wow. Some professions still have like Gray area in that department Like everyone, every different like Licensed profession has a different code of Like national code of ethics that their board right. has adopted Or whatever, so like there's like Licensed professional counselors, there's there's social workers, there's physicians, there's professor like all but like some of them literally say like you can't have sex with your patient unless it's been two years since you've seen them. Right. It's uh wild to me. Okay. Well, this is all terrifying. Glad these ethic boards now have this kind of stuff in place. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, we should take a look at all this. Well, Milgram's experiments like really pushed it over the top. I mean, like yeah. the sex stuff was like secondary to like those college kids almost killed each other because of your experiment. And, and they like, didn't know. Yeah. The like shock experiments. <laughs> well, yeah. No, there's, oh that, my God. there's that one. And then there's the prison guard one. Yeah. The shock it, experiments. He wasn't actually shocking those people. They were like paid actors. Yeah, but the, but, but the, right. the people, prison experiment was very fucked yes. up. Yeah. But the people who he shocked had like Trump. They like oh, trauma because they thought they hurt <laughs> they thought somebody. They killed somebody. <laughs> But he's like, what about the data though? Like that was like good data, and I like it's you know really what? fascinating it data. It's fascinating. Well, and it in and of itself, from what I've read about Milgram, was a reaction to how could people in Nazi Germany do this horrible shit? Yes, right. Yes, because yeah. Like, could you do this horrible shit just because someone who has the air of authority told you to? And what we yes. found out is. 
for a lot of people, that's all it takes to torture someone to death. It's fascinating. His his whole like because he he wrote my psychology book when I took AP psych. Like he still like he signed it. No, no. <laughs> he was like, Mikey, don't fuck your patients. Love Milgram. <laughs> <laughs> and hearing Milgram talk about it, because he's like, post-war, you just be at a bar and be like, the conversation of the day was like, none of us would ever do anything right, like that. Like, exactly. Those, those right. Germans are evil. So right. he wanted to like prove if people are evil or they just listen to authority or whatever. Without questioning it. It is a problematic experiment, but super interesting. Yeah. But anyway, ruin the whole profession. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think those ethics ruined the whole profession so much as it like helped keep made it safer. Safe. Yeah, safer for experiments. But I mean, like, also like can't get any of the cool stuff because you got to protect everyone's dignity. You can't shutter island somebody because <laughs> yeah, exactly. of ethics. <laughs> I do feel like we could, with the right budget, effectively shutter island somebody in a way that is ethically okay. I'd be willing to try. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, so she ignores the sounds in the attic that are definitely not rats. The next day, uh, she's like, hey, can you guys get some traps for the rats? And and her housekeeper and I'm assuming groundskeeper uh, are like, there's definitely not rats up there. And she's just like, no, I heard them. It's rats. And he's like, I'll go get traps, but fine. And he does put traps up there. Like he did his job. He did. We cut to the set where she's making a movie that seems to be about some of the protests on college campuses in 1969, which was only a couple years before this. Mm -hmm. But it also looks terrible. It does look very bad. She also, so she has a driver and gives him her purse and is like, I'm just going to walk home. Yeah. <laughs> Can you drive my purse home for me? That which is, is a wild crazy. thing, right? Like you might want to walk home because you might want to stop at like a haberdashery or a grocer or something on the way home. Mm -hmm. But just take <laughs> everything I have on me that identifies who I am and gives me the power to purchase things. I'll see you at home. Well, they didn't have credit cards that much back then. But they had cash and checkbooks, that were both of which yeah. you would keep in your purse, Mikey. You had you had cash, but women, I think, still couldn't have credit cards yet. Well, I mean, why would they ever need them, Paige? Can't their husband <laughs> give them their allowance? I don't know if you know, but we be shopping. <laughs> Sorry, this take brought to you by every 1970s doctor. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, the American debt really exploded when women could have credit cards and checking. <laughs> <laughs> I love... Mikey's commitment to male toxicity. Like, as a bit, I love your commitment to it. Thank you. It was not until 1974 that women were allowed to apply for and own a credit card in their own name. That's two years after this movie, which means mm -hmm. if she wanted to use a credit card, she would have had to have asked her groundskeeper employee to borrow his. Or her husband in Rome who has recently left them. Sure. Anyway, at this point in the movie, I didn't realize how close their house was to the set. Because the set is on campus and they live literally right off campus, right next to those stairs. Anyway, she walks home uh, and we see for the first time Father Damien Karras because she notices him in the crowd because he's walking around campus. Because he's hot as fuck, right? Um, is he? Is he? He's interesting looking and striking. I, I am not attracted to him. But I do find him to be a very interesting and empathetic character. He definitely looks like Rocky. Yeah, I thought he looked like Rocky, especially when he's running around the track. Which is after this, because Rocky comes out uh, four years after this in 1976. 
So Sylvester Stallone was like, you know what we should do? Make a movie about a priest who's also a, a boxing boxer. priest. And the <laughs> producer was like, maybe, maybe just a boxer. Maybe not two things. Just make him a boxer. Yeah. Yeah. Simplify it I do think Rocky would be better And I would actually Want to watch it If like It involved A boxing move Called the Holy Cross <laughs> <laughs> Like I'd be here for that Mikey you're a boxer A cross is a punch right Yes A cross is a punch Nice So She walks home And this is the first time We hear tubular bells Which is The famous theme From this movie Which sounds So much like The Halloween theme I think I prefer The Halloween theme To this I do too But I- it sounds so like it. it ha- like Halloween has to be an homage to this, right? Um, they sound different enough. I don't think it's like blatant copyright infringement or anything. And I prefer the Halloween version, but they sound so alike. It's definitely not a copyright thing because this song, it's its just the intro to a song. Okay. But its it's an album that was out at the time. So I would say that John Carpenter is probably inspired by the album that was out at the time because it is very similar I do prefer the Halloween theme. I think the Halloween theme is a little more haunting and a little less jarring. Yeah. But this one is also similarly famous. So she gets home and this is the first place where we meet Reagan and kind of get a sense of their relationship. And we learn a little bit about, A, how fucking bananas rich they are. Yeah. She's a movie star. Chris is. Her mom. She's a movie star. yeah. Yeah. But then also basically the life that Reagan has led where she... Kind of, she's going to school, but she kind of travels around the world with her mom. Yeah. She's into art, although for a 12 year old, needs some work art wise. Yeah. I mean, when I was 12, I was into like shitty shit stuff that I wasn't good at either. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, I, but they just, at a certain point, they're looking through her drawings. I was like, that's a six year old. Like, this is. <laughs> well, maybe it was she, old. Reagan has well, no fine she, motor skills. She is a Nepo baby. I was so. going to say, hey, my God, Reagan. Down. Yeah, there's no way in like eight years she's not going to get cast as a young version of her mother's character in a movie, <laughs> thus launching her career to also like Hollywood success. Yeah, like Tom Hanks has tried to do with all of his children. Uh, okay, but Tom Hanks has one good actor child. I don't who is know. a legitimately good actor child. I think Colin Hanks is amazing. I love him. He's exactly. also a good like documentarian. Like yes. he's done some good docs. Anyway, yes. his other son that's not Chet. We're just not going to mention Chet. That, his, that's not Chet. His other son is in a movie that he just came out with and really? does a pretty good job. Yeah, like he plays a young version of Tom Hanks. Okay, you know who is the main character, right? Fine. Wait till David S. Pumpkin's son gets to be in the oh, movie you mean about Thomas David S. S. Pumpkin. <laughs> Thomas S. Pumpkin. <laughs> but let's get back into the movie. Like anyway, so basically, we just get a, a peek into how how rich they are and how kind of peaceful this home life seems to be. And we, at this point, find out that they live in L.A. and this is just their temporary home while she is filming. We cut to Father Karras, who takes a train and this is where he sees the the homeless man who's like please help an old altar boy i'm catholic yeah and that will play out in in the demon later we watch as he takes the train to new york gets off in a i would say developing neighborhood because it is mostly families but it seems a little run down yeah and goes to see his mom who clearly is having some trouble with her leg and is living alone and it's maybe not the best situation and he feels like he's far away and can't care for her as much as she needs so she falls asleep he leaves her money and leaves yeah we cut back to 
Reagan and Chris's house where Reagan is painting some clay bird thing. And this is where her mom <laughs> finds the Ouija board and is like, have you been playing with it? And she's just like, yeah. And her mom's like, I'll show you because you need two. And then she says, no, you don't. And the planchette just like flicks towards her without anyone touching it. Yeah. Which would have been my first clue to get out of the fucking house and get away from the Ouija board. Yeah, at least get away from the Ouija board. I mean, had my dad been there, according to him, the Ouija board would have stopped working because Ouija boards didn't work in his presence. So I've told you that story, right? No, but that's the dumbest superpower I've ever heard of. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what doesn't get you admittance to the Xavier School of Witchcraft and Wizardry? That superpower. Not, <laughs> yeah, that, su that or like whenever I'm around, condoms just don't fit. It's <laughs> my superpower. I'm 100% sure I've heard Mikey say that. <laughs> All right. I'm muted. No. <laughs> Mikey, you're muted? I've, I've been muted. I feel like an idiot. <laughs> I could see you talking, and I bet it was funny, but we couldn't hear mm -hmm. it. Moving on. <laughs> what we learned today is that I don't edit Mikey's alt-right hot takes. He's just muted on the Zoom call during them. Oh, my God. Do, do people really not understand sarcasm? No. <laughs> anyway, they're trying to silence me, and you guys all heard it here. <laughs> Whatever. It's time for our good friend, the Confederate Ouija board, because <laughs> they start playing. What does she call the ghost? Captain Howdy. Captain Howdy. I do declare I am I Reginald P. Howdy from the War of Northern <laughs> Aggression, and I would love to talk to you about the rats in your about attic. About states' rights. Oh, I <laughs> served in South Carolina 6th Infantry back in... Wait, what state are they in? Is this New York? They're in D.C. more or less. They're in Georgetown. They're in D.C. The Great Commonwealth of Virginia. Yep. Captain Howdy, to burn a fun fact. I guess it's not a fun fact. It's just one an Easter egg within the movie. Uh, you see on the magazine that Reagan is reading later that Howard left her and her mom. Captain Howdy is a reference to her dad. So it's implied that because the divorce is recent. Yeah, of course. That she's trying to reach out and talk to him, and Pazuzu takes advantage of that. Sure. Yeah. Unfortunately, when your father ghosts your family, the Ouija board is not the correct avenue. No, if you want to call your dad, you use the phone, not a Ouija board. Yeah. Uh, un unlike her dad, Pazuzu was there for her for, like, a long time. They had to make him leave. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> he did call on her birthday. Yeah. I will say, my dearest Reagan. <laughs> Daughter, I am endlessly sorry that I did not contact you on the day of your birth. However, I did need to leave our domicile to procure cigarettes, and I should be back. I should be back post-haste once I come back with those fiery sticks of nicotinous destruction. Your mother is a notoriously difficult woman who now <laughs> thinks that she can have a career. I'm tired of her drunk piano-playing friends, and I needed provisions for my tobacco addiction. I, yeah. You don't understand this, but I do declare living next to so many steps is so tired. <laughs> My dearest Reagan, please do avoid the steps adjacent to your domicile as they are possessed with spirits. Your backyard is just steps, Reagan. I don't understand. Your mother had to be left for she cut her hair short and that is hypocrisy and heresy. Good night. Hot, hot misogynist right 
right wing takes. What do you expect from a Confederate general, Paige? I know. No, that's fair. Actually, I would love for Confederate general to be like woke. Uh, I think you mean how racist people today want to view Robert E. Lee. <laughs> Yes. And also how racist people want to view themselves often where they're like, I'm not racist, but statistically. And you're just like, mm, <laughs> that's a problematic sentence. Listen, I'm not racist, but have you ever seen the dimension of that guy's head? Like, <laughs> if you're doing phrenology, you're racist, bro. <laughs> I'm not racist, but hold these calipers. Uh, Yikes. I'm not racist, but if their ears are lower than their eyes, they're evil. Also, if you can fit your entire hand over your face, you have cancer. (laughs) That's how you sound. Like children on a playground. I can rub my finger in your palm and you can smell strawberries in it. Yeah. I am so traumatized by both of those that even though i'm alone in a room right now and you guys aren't close to me i refuse to test either of those hypothesize there we go let's move on please Mm -hmm. just like her father did exactly because we cut to her birthday he doesn't call and her mom is I mean, I would be pissed about it, too. Yeah. There's also a section of this where in in, like the scene right after this, where Reagan is like, you could bring Mr. Dennings, if you like Burke Dennings, who's the director of the film, who I don't think plays for her mother's team. But I don't think Reagan understands that yet. The only thing I know about that director is he hates Nazis. Yeah. Oh, man. It's here's the thing. I don't like him because I feel like he's got a pretty severe alcohol problem. Yeah. And I don't trust him around children or women or men, really anybody. (laughs) But I do respect that he doesn't like Nazis. Yeah. A broken clock can be right twice a day. Yeah, sure. But we cut to Damien Karras at a bar talking to another priest and asking to be reassigned so he could be closer to his mother. And they're like, we can't. You're like the best we've got. Because like you're the only priest slash psychiatrist around because that's such a new thing. (laughs) And also the girls like watching you Rocky run around the track. So like we can't Mm -hmm. move you. That's when people like exercise in sweatsuits because they're like, we want to sweat more. It's healthier. Yeah, that's when sweatsuits were not leisure wear. Yeah. No. And like when he's wearing the full sweat suit plus a towel plus a jacket over it i was just like all of his clothes reek. he's like i'm losing so much weight but you should hydrate though you gotta hydrate you gotta yeah. hydrate anyway reagan's dad doesn't call we cut to uh reagan's mom waking up the next day getting a call to go to set early she gets up to go in and realizes that reagan's in bed next to her and reagan says well my bed was shaking and i couldn't sleep and they hear crashes and rattling up in the attic Again, way more than rats. Yeah. So Chris decides that she's going to go up there. At which point I'm like, don't fucking go up there. No, ever. You have a groundskeeper. Send him up there. Well, there's a crash and her candle flame gets huge for a second. And then we find out that the groundskeeper did go up there, but it's not rats. We don't definitively see what it is, but it ain't fucking rats. Well, and her candle goes full on like flame torch. Like, yeah, it's not rats. It's something either flammable or it's the devil. Yeah. I also was like a candle. They had flashlights in 72. Like, oh, yeah. Anyway, we cut to the local church where a priest carries flowers in for the altar Uh, And as he does, someone has defaced one of the statues of Mary. 
with giant black and red titties and a giant black and red dick. Like horn dick. This is what I needed. Yeah. I want to know who did that, and I want to see if it was Reagan. And if it was Reagan, I wanted to see it. Because it, to <laughs> oh, me, yeah. it would be hilarious to see like a 12-year-old building like cone titties and cone dick on an angel in a church. That would be hilarious to me. Okay. There was a part of me that wondered if it was Burke Dennings. Okay. Maybe possessed as well or something. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, we cut to uh, New York where his uncle has checked her into a hospital. And it appears that this is a mental health facility, not a hospital hospital. Yeah, because Reagan hasn't been elected yet. So we still had those. Yeah, but but also it's the wrong place for her. Like like she has like a leg issue. Like she should be in a regular hospital. Right. And her brother was just like, well, I didn't want to take her there like a private. Like we can't put her in a hot. And so they have to we don't see him take her home, but it's implied that he checks her out and takes her home um, because that's not the right place for her to be. And it's very upsetting to be there if you're not supposed to be there. Like, yeah, yeah. I'd imagine that most of the people who are there don't think they need to be there. Oh, of course. Sure. (sighs) Yeah. They shut most of these places down like right after this. So, well, in part because of widespread abuses. Like, the reality is there was a lot of not good shit going on, but then they were never replaced with good shit. So, like, mm-hmm. that's the problem. Yeah. Anyway. Now all these people are in jail or a part of the homeless population. They're institutionalized one misdemeanor at a time. I can give you the whole speech later. It's true. So, we cut to him boxing, uh, and then we cut to the party at. The McNeil household, where Burke Dennings is drunkenly claiming that there's alien pubic hairs in his drink, yelling that her Swiss uh, house groundskeeper guy uh, is a Nazi, um, getting in like a literal fight with him. I mean, literally like choking him in their kitchen. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, there is another priest at this party, and I kind of want to talk about him. I'm curious what you guys think. That's Father Dyer. Yeah. Who ironically lives. Yeah. Well, he was also played by a real priest. <laughs> yeah. William O'Malley oh, is his name. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Father William O'Malley. So here's here are my questions about Father Dyer. Mm-hmm. Did either of you read him as queer? Yes. Okay, good. I honestly didn't think about it. Okay. I, I don't know. There's the one scene where he's like taking care of Karis, Father Karis, when he's like, I think drunk and obviously just sad because his mom's passed away. So like, mm-hmm. I also thought it was just like a bro being a very good bro to another bro whose mom just died. You know, like, mm, uh, I, think it it, I think it could be that. In this scene when he's playing the piano and he's like, I want to be a famous entertainer. Like a lot of those kind of things. I was like, sure. But that's also shit that I've said multiple times in my life. Yeah. But you've also said sexuality is a spectrum and I'm somewhere on it. So like, just go with me on this for a second. Yeah. So that to me signaled like, oh, maybe this is either someone dressed as a priest for a a laugh or (laughs) someone closeted. Uh, but then his interaction with Karis, where they are very good friends, very good friends. Yeah, they're super close. Uh, where I was like, is this something more? Or it could just be our modern lens looking at like, you know, could be men's shorts in this era were also very short. I just bought some five inch running shorts that I love. <laughs> there is also the reaction he has to losing his friend, which, of course, if you're losing a friend, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. But there's also him showing up after at the house. They give him the necklace. To me, there were a lot of 
potentially hints that maybe that was something, but I, I don't think there's enough to definitively say. Paige, I think there is definitive proof in the movie now that I think about it. Yeah. Because Father Karras had been out a lot of late nights, and mm-hmm. obviously we know he's been doing an exorcism on Reagan, but I don't know that right. Father Dyer did, but it's clear the night Father Karras takes on the possession and then jumps out the window, hopefully killing himself and Pazuki. Like, Father Dyer was clearly, like, following him around to see what he was up to at night, which to me does ring of, like, Jealous X type of vibe. I just Googled this. Oh, no. And there's a ton of articles on it. Okay. (laughs) So, like, I was not the only one to read gay subtext into this. But it is suggested that in this party scene... There are multiple gay men and they are friends with Chris, which makes sense. She's a Hollywood actress. That's of course there are. Yeah. Because gay people exist in society. (laughs) Yeah. Well, but, but also it's like that it's that kind of crowd and that's who father Dyer is running with. Yeah. And father Karras maybe isn't, but it seems like he has a crush on him or something. Sure. But that's what I kind of read in. I was like, Oh, interesting. And then in their interactions later, I was like, extra interesting anyway i mean what i was saying doesn't diminish the fact that he might be a gay man and karis might also be a gay man i just wasn't looking for that you know perhaps i don't know that karis is gay i just think this guy specifically is and maybe likes karis i don't know if the affections returned yeah anyway but this is where he she asks about karis and he's like well his mother passed away because she lived alone and she'd actually been dead a couple days before they found her so we know that he took her home from the hospital and and that's pretty pretty brutal it is real sad like and there's a lot of guilt and shame tied up in that for karis that we see later and i totally get Mm -hmm. it so chris tucks reagan in and goes back down to the party and they're escorting Burke Dennings from the house because he's just started a drunken fight. Uh, and they literally are just like, hope he makes it home. Good luck drunk driving. <laughs> just yeah. like, bye. But this was the 70s, man. Literally everyone on the road was drunk. It was a requirement. Right. Uh, meanwhile, Reagan comes down and you can see literally from the second this shot starts, something is off. Yeah. I don't know what it is about how they staged this shot to signal it so clearly, but it's shot from behind Reagan's head into the rest of the party. And she looks up at a man that we will find out is an astronaut. Uh, we Or we've heard him talking at the party. He's an astronaut. And mm-hmm. she just says, you're going to die up there. And then pees on the carpet. And which, here's the thing. If this is the first thing that happened, I'd be like, this kid has a fever. <laughs> like, this is... Right. You know. Or like sleepwalking or something. Or sleepwalking or something. Well, I do think it sort of does progress yeah. in a way that does seem like it might be something not inconsequential, but not super serious. Right. Right. Cause this could be like, she's just super sick and sleepwalking or like right. not necessarily coherent or whatever. I understand why Chris, the mom does not immediately jump to she's possessed. Right. Of course. Yeah. Of co- well, she shouldn't, no one should immediately jump that way. Right. Anyway, she gives her a bath, puts her to bed, takes You know, she has her take some pills. She says that it's just nerves. The doctor says she'll be fine. Yeah. And then she goes to bed. However, no sooner has she left the room that they're screaming. She runs back in. The bed is shaking. And I mean, like flopping around like a fish. And Chris jumps on it herself. And the bed is shaking. It is not Reagan. It is the bed. Yes. So we cut to Karis. His mom has passed. He's not taking it well. Father Dyer meets him with 
some very, very nice liquor that he stole from the university president and they drink together and then he puts him to bed. And it's very, it could absolutely be friends. It could absolutely be more too, Paige. You're not wrong. Mm -hmm. I do love this scene. It is a super sweet scene, whether they're in a a relationship or not. And I really love that he's like, give me your shoes. Let me take your shoes off of you. Father Dyer is. And father, like the whole don't steal He's my like, oh, shoes. Oh, you're gonna steal those shoes? Yeah. yeah, it is yeah. like two friends doing a bit, and I love that mm-hmm. because even as Father Dyer walks out, Father Karras is like, uh, "Theft is a sin" or something like yes. that. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was just like, "That's two really good friends doing a bit," or uh, people in a room in a relationship yeah. doing a bit with each other, and I love that. Yeah. So Father Karras has a dream about uh, the pendant, barking dogs, his mother, who seems to be across the street, just out of reach, walking. In and out of the subway. She goes back down to the subway. The pendant falls and he wakes up screaming. Yeah. We cut to Reagan uh, being given essentially sedatives at the doctor's office and swearing the entire time. She literally is like, I don't want that, you motherfucker. And then it cuts to yeah. Father Karras <laughs> doing a sermon. You're like, Oh, that was a weird jump cut from watching a child say motherfucker to a priest doing a sermon. Well, and he's doing the sermon for his mom's death. Yeah. But we cut back to the doctors and they're like, we think she has a brain lesion and that's altering her personality. I know someone this happened to. Oof. This is so scary. That, that kind of shit terrifies Super me. Super scary. Yeah. Anyway, so that's what they're proposing has happened to Reagan. And they're proposing that she's having seizures and that's what... Chris has been witnessing and she's just like, yeah, okay, but the bed was moving. And they're like, yeah. I mean, maybe she's just crazy strong. She's just got crazy seizure strength. I think my favorite line in this whole movie is literally like 30 seconds ago in runtime of the movie, we saw Chris jump on the bed with her daughter and the bed is like shaking, shaking, shaking. And the doctor says in this scene, the problem's not with your daughter's bed. It's with her brain in such like an amazingly <laughs> condescending way. They're so condescending. Like, Holy shit. This is troubling. Okay. So this opens up a conversation where I was like, and they, no one ever tried a different bed either. Like I would have been like, <laughs> we need a new bed here. I mean, that probably would have been on my troubleshooting steps. Yeah. I do like that as the movie goes on, the bed just gets more and more padded where they're just like duct taping bubble wrap around it and shit. It looks like they duct taped pillows to like the posts. Pillows and blankets. Which makes sense because the bed is moving, but also your daughter is possessed and like flailing about. Like that makes sense to me. Oh, your daughter's making your bed float and like flip around. Like let's do a PET scan. (laughs) How many pets do you have? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> too many we know <laughs> but like the the gaslighting from the doctors in this movie is like master class level of gaslighting well they're also in this next scene they're putting reagan through traumatic medical treatments that are unnecessary when they put the iv in her freaking neck and the blood squirts yeah. out i was like ah, I, those are the parts in this movie i hate i hate that i hate it so much that that's one of the most people say that is one of the most terrifying yeah scenes in this film for them have you guys ever had like an MRI? Absolutely. They don't do it this way now. Right. This is a, much a better relic now, of the past. But they're yes. still a little scary now. Oh, they're scary. Yeah. The tube scares me. Yes. Same. I'm claustrophobic. So the, yeah. I, when I had one, they thought I might have had a brain bleed, but they put a um like mask over my face that like clipped down and held my head in place. And as a claustrophobic person, like <sighs> sliding me into that MRI tunnel, I was... 
Ugh. I almost had to be sedated. I was so uncomfortable. I didn't like it. But the way they do it here back in the 70s is scarier to me. <laughs> like, it's so much louder. Everything is scarier from when the, the, the way they did it in the 70s. And, they, like, after this, I was like, this was just for x-rays? <laughs> Basically, like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so... They're like, well, should we do it again? And they like do it again, like or do alternate thing. Like it's not good. And she's like, yeah, violence bad. Like this is not good. And they're like, well, did you give her the Thorazine we gave you? And I was like, they just handed out Thorazine. Like they've barely even seen her. Like this is crazy. It was yeah. very new at the time, so they thought it would be the answer to all this stuff. Oh my god. Anyway, we cut to the doctors are at the house, and she's having a very violent reaction. And she is being flung up and down on the bed. And we got to talk about this scene because this is the scene where Linda Blair broke her back. Yeah. And they kept shooting because they could not determine what was real screams and what was not. Oh, my God. That's horrible. Ooh. And so it wasn't until the take was done that they realized they had very, very badly injured her. An injury that would follow her for the rest of her life and be partially responsible for some of her, her drug problems over the years. I mean, you don't have multiple spines. You have one spine. So if like, you fuck no. up your spine, you're fucked. Uno spine. Yeah. It's, and your back is like your whole body. Like, it <laughs> yes. is so much of what makes you a person. Like, back injuries terrify me too, man. <laughs> well, and it's because she was doing her own stunt, which she shouldn't have been. She was a fucking child. And... They didn't secure her properly to the rig. So literally a machine smashed her against that bed until she broke her back. Like, it's real. There are other things that happened to her too. I also, I question some of the responsibility and oversight of having a child portray this kind of a role when you could have had an adult that looked young do it. This reminds me of The Last Exorcism because it was fully yes. an adult playing the girl in that movie. Yes. She is slightly older in the story of The Last Exorcism than Reagan is here. I think she's 16 in that movie. Like, it's four years older in the story, right? Right. Um, but that allows you to cast someone who, I'm not sure how old that actress was, but I think she was, like, early 20s. Also hurt her back. Yes, she did because she did a weird back bend. I remember that now, yeah. That's in the second one, but yeah. She's great, but mm -hmm. I would feel more comfortable with that than having an actual 12 year old break their back on the set you know for how weird we felt about orphan where they definitely were taking great pains to make sure that that child was safe and cared for and yeah okay they did not take the same considerations with linda blair like it is really upsetting to me i i have complicated feelings about child actors in general i I don't think it's entirely ethical. And this for me was just like the worst case, one of the worst case scenarios where I was just like, this is no one had her best interest at heart. This yeah. is, oh. But I mean, you got to remember, this is 50 years ago. I know. Things in that regard have gotten way better over those 50 years. I would say that they're probably not where they need to be, but Correct. they are still way better. Even with like, there's a scene where there are two dogs fighting in this. And I was like, fuck, they actually had those dogs actually fighting like that. Yeah. Is and that would have never happened today. To yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, it's wild to see. And she's also not the only one to sustain uh, back injuries on this film. No, I bet Father Karras hurt his head when he jumped out that window. 
Well, Ellen Burstyn <laughs> almost fractures her back. Oh shit! What did she, what was she doing? A rig yanked her back too fast, and she smacked it up against the wall, and that's the take they used. Oh my god! Okay. Yeah. So like for for Linda Blair, she sustained a small fracture, but that's it's still a fracture. Like yeah, she still broke her back. She broke her damn back. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. sounds like the director of this movie was like, yeah, she had a small fracture, but the doctors were like. She broke her back, you monster. Yeah, right. it also, it developed into scoliosis as an adult because mm. the, it didn't set properly. Anyway. Speaking of Ellen Burstyn, she was great in this movie, and it's a shame she yeah. never had like a big, long-lasting career after this. <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> She's like still <laughs> acting. She was in, Oh yeah. Bill, she has four projects upcoming. Anyway, so uh, this is where her eyes roll back in her head. She slaps Ellen Burstyn, yeah. and then... This is kind of the first time that we hear Pazuzu speak yeah. where it, it's like the sow is mine and all kinds of crazy shit. Oh, and she's telling the doctors to fuck her. Yes. Yeah. The things that they have that character say are like swear word Mad Libs. Yes. And it is kind of hilarious it's almost like the way that a child would swear if they knew all the swear words yeah like if they had an uncle who was terrible yeah but like didn't tell them what in what context to use the swear words yes yeah. oh like me with like i teach children swear words accidentally all the time <laughs> i okay so it I only bring this up because one of them is your goddaughter. But whenever Chris calls me on the phone, he's like, hey, Todd, it's Chris. And I have the girls in the car with me. And that is, yeah. hey, Todd, this is Chris. You better not fucking cuss. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That procedure was developed due to some accidental slip of the tongues. Uh... Oh, yeah. Same. And I have cussed in front of those two adorable daughters. <laughs> he would be like, hey, Michael, you're on speakerphone. My kid's in the car. And I'm like, well, let me tell you about this fucking bullshit that happened right now. And then he's like... Uh, Michael, I just said that I'm on speakerphone with all three of my children. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, anyway, they sedate her and they tell Ellen Burson, they're like, she is heavily sedated. She will probably sleep through tomorrow. And she's like, how the fuck did she do what we just saw her do? And they're just like, you ever seen a mom lift a car off a baby? And she's like, yeah. And they're like, something like that. Well, they're like, <laughs> Those things are not the same. They're like, shit happens, lady. Yeah. What we saw was like things moving with no reason. Like, yes, I, I can sort of into it, like put together. At least the mom is like picking up the car. Like the mechanics of that make sense right. to me, even though it is an insane feat of strength. She didn't pick up the car and move it with her mind. Like, that would be a different deal, right? Right. Well, and she's like, also, y'all heard that other voice that came out of her, right? Like, hello. And they're like, I mean, split personality isn't real. Wh which, like, here's the thing. I'm not saying they're wrong, but I am saying that you did hear a different voice come out of that girl, though. You should, like, investigate that maybe, though. But the doctors are like, but have you never, like, woken up after sleeping a long time and had your voice sound a little bit different until you cleared your throat? That's clearly what was going on there. <laughs> Stop <laughs> being <laughs> such a hysterical lady, lady. Most of most times when someone speaks in a different voice, they are pretending right. to speak in it. They are changing their voice. And, like, they don't even bring that. They bring yeah. up the wildest Mikey, theories. and <laughs> Those are called impressions. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> but, like, most people... People who like I've dealt with some people. They're like, I'm the demon. I'm like, are you the demon? Are you the demon? <laughs> I just want to see Mikey like in these situations you have to go into with that and like being 
super condescending like the doctors in this movie like to me that dichotomy would be funny like i am the demon like ma'am uh demons don't exist stop being so crazy like i'm just picturing someone being like i'm the demon and being like and i'm christopher walken i don't don't like this i think you're spooky now give us an occupation and a prop and we'll work it into our uh i would love to go completely unhinged with psychiatric work but like you can't there's those pesky ethics that they pass i know you're not allowed to do a two-man improv show with someone you're there to help (laughs) through their mental issues instead i just say things like so their voice changes generally after a conflict where like maybe they need more attention or like you have to like really talk around things instead of being like they're faking it. Now, if you watch the documentary on Miss Cleo called Call Me Now. <gasps> I haven't watched it yet. Is it amazing? It it's is, amazing. It is pretty good, although Fuck! you're going to feel really bad for Miss Cleo by the end of it. I I already do because she kind of got the short end. I mean, she was a grifter, 100%. 100%. But there were a, a lot of other people doing the same shit, and she really kind of bears the brunt of it. And I think there's a lot of societal issues at play because of that. I think racism is part of it. it. 100% is. But the reason you'll feel bad for her is because, yes, she is a grifter. And she deserves all that goes along with that style of thing. She didn't even make 8% of the money that was made off of her. So she was oh, like... Oh, Her contract was... Ki- yeah. So she, like, didn't make a lot of money but when she, like, when they shut everything down. So she, like, lived off of her friends for the, for the last remaining years of her life because she got screwed by the people who like she was set up by the people who actually ran the you know the network that she was a part of the network that she was on oh that is sad anyway so they're like no we're we're pretty sure we still need to drill into her spine again can we drill into her spine and then we see like another terrifying medical procedure and they're just like nope her head is normal yeah so shrug (laughs) like (laughs) do you keep drugs in your house First of all, that should have been the first question. <laughs> like, it really should have been. How are we like two <laughs> spinal taps in and they're like, oh, wait, drugs? You're a Hollywood person, right? Is right. there drugs in the house? Yeah. <laughs> like, what? I'm a podcast person and there are drugs in my house. But, like, um, <laughs> but I love her response to that and then the doctor's response to her because she says to him, I don't even smoke grass. And then he has this look on her face of like, God, women are so dumb. You don't smoke grass. You smoke marijuana. Like <laughs> They call it grass. I know, but the doctors in this movie are so terrible to her. They treat her like an infant, and she is the mother of the child in this movie. Here's what's terrible is I read his expression as fucking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> How do you think I got through medical school? <laughs> LSD trials and grass. Uh, so anyway, they're like, so are you going back to LA soon? And she's like, um, I don't know if you know, but my daughter is tied to a bed spitting out pea soup. So no, we're not going back to L.A. Yeah, she's like, well, we were going to go to Europe for the summer when she finishes school. But I don't know if you've noticed she's got some issues. Doctor, I've been working with this on for six months or whatever. Like- <laughs> yeah, we're not going to Europe because I'm worried she's going to the afterlife. What are we doing? Crazy. Honestly, I know that Satanic Panic started around this time in the U.S., but, like, mm-hmm. in Europe, it started, like, in the 15s and 1600s when they started burning witches. Like, you don't want to take your possibly possessed child to Europe. They really know how to get rid of those people over there. Like, they've been doing it for <laughs> centuries. They've written books, Paige. <laughs> 
They did. The Malleus Maleficarum. However, their satanic panic hits at kind of a different time in a different way in this era. I mean, we're going through a satanic panic now. We're at the end of one of the satanic panics. The QAnon shit. Yeah. All the QAnon shit is 100% copy and paste. Yeah. Adrenochrome. Adrenochrome. Pedophile networks. All of that shit is. The pizza place. Yeah. Pizza Gate. Yeah. Pizza Gate is the scandal about cosmic pizza. All of that shit is copy and paste satanic panic. Anyway, they they drive back towards the campus, back to the house. Yeah. And we see that there's an ambulance and a crowd. So she gets home. The lights are flickering. No one is home. They have left Reagan alone. And it is freezing in her room with an open window. Yeah. Which you definitely you definitely would do that all the time in this situation. Well, I mean, if, if by situation you mean in the 1970s, would you leave a child home alone? Yes, absolutely. Uh, you shouldn't she's leave not a possibly alone. possessed child home alone. <laughs> Mikey, say that joke because it's fire. She's not home alone. She's got South Carolina... <laughs> Captain Howdy. Captain Howdy here. I thought you were doing the Confederate general version of, what is that, South Carolina song? Raise up. Take your shirt off. Spit it like a helicopter, which is not invented for another hundred years. I don't know this song. What are you talking about? You don't know that song, Paige? No, why would I know that? Oh, Nelly. Okay, okay. The way you sang it, I was like, what is this weird football cheer? I know, right? It's actually not Nelly. It's uh, Petty Pablo. Petty Pablo, sorry. But Captain Howdy was like i do declare it's 9 p.m and it is your bedtime it is floating upstairs and ready for you to get into it (laughs) i love the floating upstairs like a confederate general like sending his kids to bed being like you better float up them steps float (laughs) you better get people pay good money for beds that massage you (laughs) i do love that mikey's reading of this movie is she's not possessed she has one of those like gross vibrating beds that you find in like <laughs> hotels that rent by the hour. <laughs> yeah. She put a lot of quarters in there. Anyway, <laughs> what we find out is that the governess went to go pick up more Thorazine uh, and didn't leave her alone, but rather left her with Burke Dennings, the director, which by the way, should not be around children in general. Cause anytime we've seen him in this movie, He is drunk and punching people or drunk driving. So my concern is that an adult man went to a a house that only contained a 12-year-old girl. Who was sedated. Yes, I had the same concerns. I'm not saying that he deserved to die. I don't know what took place. He might have just shown up looking for her mom. I have no idea. But the implication of all of that makes me uncomfortable. And the fact that he also, quote-unquote, tripped down those steps outside... Like, maybe that's a good thing. Hmm. That's a very, very dark reading of this film. That 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 was what I thought happened, mm-hmm. Mikey, in this. I, I was like, this is bad. And then at a certain point was like, how funny would it have been to see him like, this sounds terrible, try to assault her and then have Huge. her jump up, snap his neck and throw him out the window. I would have been here for that 100%. That's probably in the remake. All of these like modern-esque takes are probably in the remake. And like, Probably. but like back then, this is just like how things were, which I we know. know now in the modern lens, this is how they actually were. But back then, they're like, <laughs> that's normal. And you're like, is it? 
Mm, also, just yeah. because something is quote unquote socially normal doesn't mean it's quote unquote okay. You know? Yeah. No, I'm saying like now we know like most of those people were doing really bad things in those situations and like that's why it's no longer socially normal. Right. Yeah, I wasn't super sad when the priests died in this movie because, you know, they might have been doing some terrible shit too. Who knows? Who knows? I'm just saying a lot of people nowadays are very concerned about men wearing dresses grooming their kids when they should be worried about the men wearing dresses at their church grooming their kids. Yeah. And by dresses, I mean priest robes, obviously. Uh, Vestments. I don't think it's just religion. It's just males in authority are pretty terrible. Yeah, I think people in yeah. general, if they have those predilections, will go to a place that gives them mm-hmm. power over the people they have predilections for. Like, I think that that With is a- With little oversight. Yes, yes. I think that is a very common thing. So do I think Christianity caused all of that stuff? No, I think bad people got involved in it because they realized that was a place they could do bad things. Mm-hmm. The problem wasn't that there was a sex abuse scandal that happened. It was that they covered it up for yes, they millennia. Like they covered mm, it up right. forever. Like bad things happen and organizations necessarily aren't responsible for bad things happening because people are people. They're responsible for But once you know cover-ups. about it, exactly. then you're That's responsible point, for preventing exactly. it and, and addressing it. Yes. And I, I do realize that there are Catholic priests in this movie and I do think the stereotype is Catholic priests molest people. There was a big scandal in the Mormon church most people haven't heard about and a lot of other Southern churches. Southern Baptist Church as well. Yeah, yeah. so it's not just, and I'm sure. And the Boy Scouts. Well, that's I, I did say the Mormon church. So like, yeah, the Mormon church owns the Boy Scouts more or less. You just need to protect children in all situations. And I'm sure there have been in other religions too. We're just in a culture that is predominantly Christian. So that's like what we see every day. Mm-hmm. That is the atheist on the podcast defending Catholicism. And I apologize <laughs> for it. I just think it's important. It's an important distinction to make, I think. Sure. Anyway, so we find out that Burke died by falling to the bottom of the steps and his head was turned all the way around. Which I think leads to our theory that he may have been doing some bad shit. And like, I do love that. Like he comes to the door and he's like thinking he's going to do some very inappropriate stuff with Reagan. And Reagan Mm -hmm. is like, you know what? I'm going to let Pazuki take over for a second (laughs) (laughs) and just murk this dude and throw his like a a body out the window. Yep. Let the bodies hit the floor. (laughs) Let the body. So that's what I want from the new one. I want in the new one, this scene happens. She snaps his neck and then that song comes on as we get a slow-mo of him going through the window and then slinking down the stairs to his death. That sounds very Rob Zombie's The Exorcist. (laughs) As long as he doesn't put his wife in it, I'm fine with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. The funny thing is I only know that as a joke because I've never seen a Rob Zombie film. I can't believe we haven't done any of those. Me either. This is Mikey from Horror Virgin. I practiced this ad for Factor in my car today. <laughs> Can you show us what you practiced? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mikey from Horror Virgin here. <laughs> Talk about Factor. <laughs> Nailed it. I have used Factor on and off the last couple of years, uh, especially since 2020. My work is very busy. I have a very busy day job. He does. I have a very busy hobby uh-huh. slash second job called podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so much work for you. <laughs> Eating healthy is hard. Cooking, I'm single. (laughs) Cooking single is hard. And I've loved Factor. Other people, they ship you ingredients. You have to cook them. It takes a long time. Factor, they ship you fresh, never frozen meals. And it always only takes two minutes, which is like my favorite thing. I never have to think about how long it has to go in the microwave. 
It's two minutes. That's what my dating profile says. Always two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's helped me eat healthier, though. They have a bunch of like dietary options, like low calorie or protein or keto. Is it keto? Keto? Mikey, you've said it wrong so many times. I'm not sure if I remember how to say it right. It's keto, right? Keto. No, it's keto. It's keto. But anyway, Factor's amazing. So just head to factormeals.com slash horrorvirgin50 and use code horrorvirgin50 to get how much percentage off, Mikey? Were you paying attention? 50. Damn. 50% off. Literally half off. That's code horrorvirgin50 at factormeals.com slash horrorvirgin50. To get 50% off. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Anyway, so Berg is dead and we cut to the hypnotist because they have now decided that they need to find a psychiatrist. So, of course, the first one they find is a hypnotist <laughs> and he's working with Reagan. And this is where he's like. How old are you? Is there someone inside you? Who is it? Is it Captain Howdy? Will you let him answer me? And he's like, so I'm speaking to the hypnotized person inside now. And she's literally just like growling. Yeah. And he's like, who are you? And then she just grabs his dick and screams. Dude, when he when she grabs his dick, I lost my mind because I forgot that. Like, Oh, yeah. It was like, yeah. whoa. I, I was not expecting that. Yes. But it is like. He loses his mind. He's like yelling for the yeah. other guy in the room. He's like, get her off me! And I think loses his balls too. Oh, She's she got, definitely like, grabs strongly. Vice like it is, grip. Yeah. Like why did the hypnotist never have children? Well, this one time. Well, uh, have you ever heard of popped balls syndrome? Yeah. <laughs> have you heard on that demon time? It's when you wave a watch in front of a girl who manages to rip your dick off. Like, that's how. <laughs> anyway, uh, we cut to Father Karras running. And this is that, that shot that follows him around the track and yeah. then you know pauses cool shot man very cool shot this is where he meets the detective and the detective is investigating burke's death and he's like i mean i knew him in passing but that was about it and he's like yes but you've done a lot of research on witchcraft and he's like yeah sure and he's like and somebody desecrated your church the other day and he's like yeah and he's like so here's what i'm thinking and he's like well it could be part of the black mass which by the way the black mass like the one written about in anton LaVey's book is largely just made up by him that's because largely that whole book is yes it's largely mm -hmm. plagiarized yeah. so like they're quoting things of like well satanists do this and it's like no they don't like this is <laughs> this is all fake anyway but he's like so burke dennings when he died his head was backwards satanic right and he's just like the dude did fall down like Thirty thousand stairs. So, like, I your neck's gonna go a couple ways. Yeah. If you slink, you drunk slinky down thirty thousand stairs. I mean, like, the cop even says that he's like, he's not like a thousand to one shot that it would have happened by the stairs. That's still a chance. That I mean, 
what is more likely a thousand and one shot that you break your neck like that falling downstairs or that she, you were murdered by a possessed child but this is the thing at the time police departments were getting videos that were like be trained to spot the signs of satanism in the occult <laughs> so this had like permeated which those videos were really be trained on how to blame crimes on people who are not normal and don't fit into regular society yes let me tell you how how bonkers that all is because there yes. is a tin code which is like police is like you know like a like a suicidal person's like a 1063 and like a dead body sure it's like a radio code and like, a domestic right. is a 1041 there is right. one for satanic activity of course there <laughs> that is. has not been used in like 50 years because there's like 99 of them you know you're like, right right like, right can you find out what that code is and we can we start using it <laughs> every some cities use like they, they they number them differently but like it's like definitely here from like 50 years ago that no one knows what it is i mean it should definitely be 10666 right like that should be the code Ooh, Guys we got a 10666 out here I gotta I gotta address this Because people always bring up 666 It's just based in numerology And yeah. some people actually think it's a different number Like 666 isn't even the only number That could be defined in that book From what I understand it was 616 Because 616 was Nero When that was a thing And that was a way of in code Writing his name And it changed to 666 Through broken translations of 616 I don't know how like true that is. It could is, also but... be like 490 is another sure. one. Like yeah. some of them are like not even linked. But it's numerology. Like it's all made up. Like none of it make <laughs> whatever. It's all made up. It is all made up. I also am one of those people that ascribes to the belief that the book of Revelation is an allegory for the political happenings in Rome at the time. Yeah. And not everyone believes that, but like that that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, and when you look at it that way, it is literally a metaphor for something happening at the time so trying to numerology your way through it is nonsense anyway so this detective's like i think the same person who desecrated your church is killing people which would suggest that it is reagan so maybe uh, right. and he's like you're a psychiatrist who among your patients did this shit and he's like um client patient privilege and he's just like or I could maybe throw you in jail. <laughs> Is that a threat? And he's like, no, because I think at the time, doctor-patient privilege was maybe not as solidified as it is now. Yeah, there's no HIPAA until... 94-ish Right But Father Karras is like A pro at talking to the cops He's like super cagey When the cop is like uh, You heard about this director dying He's like Only what I read in the papers You pig You ain't gonna trap me Hey cab motherfucker <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah Fuck 12 It makes me think he was like <laughs> Maybe mafia Before he became a priest Like he like Found the himself The Greek mafia <laughs> It's me, a mafia. It's me, uh, Mr. is. <laughs> but you're right, Paige. The, the cop is like, you hear about this doctor who went to jail for not talking to the police? Yeah. And and, and that's when Karis is like, I can just tell the judge it was a matter of confession. Which also made me a little concerned because if a murderer confesses to a murder with a priest, are they not required to tell the, the cops? They're not required. That is wildly dangerous. There's also like gray area Jesus. with like medicine with like that yes. too. Like I don't think if someone was like, I killed a man that I could just call 911 and be like, he killed a man. Well, you wouldn't want to call him immediately. But like when that person leaves your presence, you do. No, no, no. If you're if it happened during treatment, you can't. And a lot of these people, depending on 
what capacity they work in are mandatory reporters, which means that you have to tell if something happened to someone. So like if someone in your care is in danger of being hurt, you are obligated to report that. Right. right. Well, like if you're talking to a therapist and you talk about doing some self harm. Right. Right. Or like my my mom is a teacher. If she suspects someone's being abused, she is a mandatory reporter. Sure, right? sure, sure. Mm-hmm. I guess my question is, if I was talking to my therapist and I was like, I guess I'm like really having trouble sleeping because I'm uh, a murderer and I've been killing people. They wouldn't like then be like, oh, that's interesting. Tell me everything and then send all that information to the police. They can't. So if you said I'm thinking about killing a specific person, they have a duty to warn that person and tell the police Yes. But if you said, I've already murdered a guy, and now yeah. I don't know the specifics, I would have to consult like legal to, to call the police, I think, at that point. Good Lord. Yeah. That just seems like wildly unsafe for your home area. I, I, I might be saying the wrong thing because this is like no one, no, this doesn't happen. But sure. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I got close to the situation happening once. And like I, it was just a weird, we had to, but we had to, I consulted like with a lot of people cause I didn't know what to do. How about this? I'm going to go to work and I'm going to ask everybody what I need yes. to do in that situation. And I will Please. come back and report back next time. we report. Love it. Yes. Anyway. So, uh, they're like, we're out of answers. Uh, you should probably just lock her up. And she's just like, I'm not going to lock her up. And they're like, no, no, no. It's a really nice facility. And she's like, I don't care how nice it is. I'm not locking her up. Which, I mean, hey, sometimes some people need a vacation to the nice facility. But I think at this time, that was a very different experience. Yeah. Anyway, they're like, okay, well, if you don't want to lock her up, have you considered exorcism? Like, it's just bonkers. I mean, but that is more or less what they say. And it's like a room full of doctors. So like yes. every specialty is in this room and they're like, so we think you should consult a witch doctor and or priest. Yeah. Well, now here's what's interesting. When they suggest it in the room, they are suggesting it as kind of a placebo effect situation. Yes. Which. Ah, the placebo effect is very, is very, very real. Yeah. And and that's one of those things where I was like, ooh, I don't hate that. Because in that situation, maybe you're not actually torturing somebody. Maybe you are kind of faking it and it still works. I'm on board. Yeah. They've done studies where the placebo effect has become more effective in the last 30 years because of like yes. social media and marketing and stuff. Wow. So like, yep. okay. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, they carry Reagan back inside the house and the detective shows up basically to like search the steps and finds the little demon head statue thing, which I don't know how that ended up there. What? The the Pazuzu demon head? Yeah. 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 I don't know either. I But I assume that that is for us, the viewer of the film to be like, oh, it's that same demon. I wonder if they're going to bring the archaeologist guy back. Yeah. Anyway, so they go into Reagan's bedroom and they find a crucifix. And Chris is like, did you put this here? Like, we're not because they, they're not religious people. And everyone's like, no, I, I didn't. Nobody seems to have put her there. Meanwhile, the detective shows up and she's like, fine, I'll answer your questions. But Reagan is in no condition. And we do cut to her and she is sedated and sleeping on her stomach, just like pass the yeah. fuck out. Mm-hmm. I've seen some of my friends sleep like this, but it was when they were so drunk they passed out in college. Sometimes I sleep like this. I'm a stomach sleeper. Anyway, the detective's like, hey, I'm pretty sure that Burke Dennings fell out your daughter's window and then fell down those terrible steps. Do you think she's Goldberg? Like, do you think? (laughs) Yeah, she she speared him out of the thing. Does she have weird car lifting energy where she could throw a man out a window? Uh, And she's just like, I don't think so. And he's like, 
okay, then do you think there's an elaborate plot between two different men in the bed, one in the bedroom, one of them robbing, one of them the other, <laughs> like this whole complicated thing? And I was like, Occam's razor, dude. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is wild. This is a cop who is either just taking the weirdest swing at his case or is literally pulling on the last thread it could possibly be. Yeah. He doesn't seem like a very good cop. No, he does not. He's not. He's not very smart. Uh, And he does ask for her autograph at the end, which is awkward. I do sort of think that's a, I'm going to say charming moment because it is sort of like, can I get your autograph? It's for my daughter. And he's like, yeah, but like, Make it up to me. It's for me. It's for me. I'm sorry I lied about the daughter thing. I don't have kids. I was never stable enough to marry. I don't know. He just seems like a crazy person to me. All right. Let's yeah. let's back off. I mean, Mikey, I am also unwedded. So, like, I fall into that camp technically. Unwedded with a ton of cats. He would have been like, can I get this autograph for peaches, please? <laughs> Maybe it'll cause her to stop peeing everywhere in my house. Anyway, no sooner has she escorted the detective out of the house that everything in the room starts flying everywhere. And this is a very upsetting scene where Reagan takes the crucifix and is... um, She's like stabbing her crotch with it. Like to the point where there's a lot of blood. There's a lot of blood in the original script. This was cut back considerably in the book. She masturbates with it to the point where she very badly injures her genitals and also orgasms as part of it, uh, which is upsetting. That's a uh, sentence and I wish I hadn't heard in the context of a 12-year-old girl. Yeah, I could see the shooting script being like, I don't think this is going to work for us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think this is going to work. I, I still also don't like even... What we do see, oh, I, no, I am no. I mean, not you're not supposed to like it, but I understand what you're saying. Like, it is a bit much. No, but like from the context of having someone who is underage perform it, yeah. mm-hmm. I find it very upsetting. But this is where she tosses Ellen Burstyn back against the wall of the room and the harness yanks her back and she hits the ground and the wall and it watching it and knowing that she injured her back, because I kind of knew that ahead of time. Yeah. You see real pain on her face. Yeah. And they kept shooting because they didn't realize she was hurt again. That's so crazy. So it happens twice. This scene is insane to me because it like builds to this fever pitch of Chris gets pulled against the wall. The chair moves. The dresser moves towards her and she like screams and then it cuts away. Like how did she get out of that situation? She crawls right out of the way of the dresser. I know, but like, she's still in the room. The door is shut. Like, how does that scene end? Like, I needed the last 30 seconds of that scene. So you kind of, I think, get it a couple scenes from now when she comes back with Father Karras and you see that they have, just like they have bandaged up her bed with pillows, they've done it to all the other furniture too. Oh, okay. Um, So we cut to... She catches up with Father Karras, uh, who just shows up in regular clothes. He's like, sorry, I'm not in the costume. Uh, But (laughs) this is where he kind of gives her a rundown of like, you know, uh, who I am, what I do. And and she's like, great. Uh, I know you're friends with Father Dyer. Did he tell you what happened to my party? And he was like, "Uh, no, uh, he he really didn't. And he didn't mention anything that happened at the party, not the fight, nothing. Uh, And she... She doesn't tell him either, but she basically is just like, I'm pretty sure my kid's possessed. Yeah. Can we get an exorcism? And he's just like, no, 
because before we ever talk exorcism, we've got to actually examine her and make sure this isn't a medical or psychological thing. And he's like, and even then we have to petition the church. They don't like doing it. It is almost impossible to get one. It could harm her in the process. And really, just let me examine her because I think maybe I can just help like as a psychiatrist. Yeah, he is a trained psychiatrist too. Like he probably right. could help. I mean, I realize that in the movie she is actually real ass possessed, but like I can understand why he'd be like, she's probably not possessed, but I can probably still help. Right. So we cut to, we get back to the house and Ellen Burstyn takes her glasses off and she has like a full black eye that we know Reagan gave her, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because she deserves it. Yeah. Well, she hit her with her hand. She slapped her across the room. That's, That's right. How she her back. I forgot about that. What I tell you about playing that piano? <laughs> so Father Karras comes and he's just like, hi, uh, I'd like to help you and, and talk to you. And he's like, so if you're the devil, why don't you just free yourself from the straps? And he just says, well, that's a vulgar display of power. Yeah. Which I do think is kind of a bullshit reason. It and, is. And this movie does kind of walk the line. It does. Especially these which scenes. Which I do really appreciate. In these scenes where it's like it can't do some of the things that you think it can do. And then it's tap water. It's not holy water. And then it's like he it can't name his mother's last name. Kind of like in Conjuring 2 where you're like, is she faking it? Is she not? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I actually I thought that was really, really interesting. But. She barfs pea soup all over him and he's super fucking grossed out. Yeah. Pea soup's gross. Yeah. Uh, so we cut to uh, down in the basement. Her mom is like cleaning his shirt yeah. while he looks at her artwork. Uh, and this is where I was like, for a 12 year old, these are not good. Um, <laughs> but he's like, I need evidence. And right now I don't have it. I need I need evidence that she's using languages that she's never heard or, you know, things that she couldn't possibly know. And she's like, well, call an expert. And he's like, there are no experts. This doesn't happen. Yeah. And he's like, she doesn't say she's a demon. She says she's the devil himself. That's kind of like saying you're Napoleon. Like this is, you know, he's like, my recommendation is six months, you know, in a hospital. Yeah. Essentially. He's like, she needs round the clock care. And she, her, her mom is basically like, that's not my daughter. Something is fucked up. And he's like, well, this is kind of all I can do for today. I'm going to go. And as he leaves, he's like, hey, did she know a priest was coming over? No. Did she know that my mother died recently? No. Why do you ask? It's not important. I love how he's like, don't worry about it. But like, it totally was important. Like, <laughs> Right, because he wasn't dressed as a priest. I hate when people ask you questions like that. Hey, one more thing. Yeah. Something really specific. Oh, why you ask that? Done. Hey, right. calm down, Columbo. Tell me why you were asking that. Like, I have to know. <laughs> I literally will be like, you have to tell me why you're asking. Calm it down, Poirot. Uh, so, in part, he asks because he was not wearing any of his vestments, but the demon automatically addressed him as a priest. Yeah. And she couldn't have known about his mom, but the demon talked about it. So, he, we cut to the detective watching him, but we cut to him coming back and the demon saying, it's an excellent day for an exorcism because it would bring us closer together, you and I, yeah. which is creepy. Uh, this is also where she speaks Latin, a little bit of French. Uh, and this is where he does the holy water, holy water that turns out to be tap water. But she ends up speaking in tongues. He records it. Yeah. And we cut to her mom on the phone, just like, no, I'm fine. I, like, there's nothing you can do. Just, you know, I need to be left alone, essentially. Yeah. And he sits down for a drink with her and he's like, look, the whole tap water, holy water thing is not, is, is not proof because she shouldn't have reacted that way. And Ellen Burstyn is just like, yeah, but I'm pretty sure she killed Burt Dennings and pushed him out the window. And he's like, interesting. Well, I'm going <laughs> to take these recordings and see what I can find. Yeah. So he goes to 
to the language center at school and plays the recording for Father Dyer. Yes. Who's like, yeah, uh, this is in English. And he's like, what do you mean? He's like, it's in reverse. And he plays it in reverse. And we hear multiple distinct voices that are like, let her die. Give us time. Like, fear the priest, Marin, Marin. Yeah. And he's like... I don't know what the fuck this is. I do think it's interesting <laughs> they're talking about the priest Marin. Like the demons are talking about the priest Marin, mm-hmm. who was not even in the picture yeah. yet. I mean, he is right. in the picture because we saw him earlier. I mean, like in this. Because Todd, the bonkers ass prequels that this movie has, like Marin goes around like Rambo fighting demons. I'm here for that. Actually. I want that. Like I want an archaeologist priest solving demonic possessions. Like that sounds okay, awesome. Think about that, but like really boring. That doesn't sound as good to me. Does he have a whip <laughs> and a fedora? Like that's the no. type of priest I want. He's like Satan. Why did it have to be Satan? Snake dicks. Why did it have to be snake dicks? Anyway, he gets a call from the house from the like governess. Yeah. He rushes back and she's like, Chris is out. I didn't want her to see this, but I wanted to show you. And she pulls open uh, Reagan's pajamas and we see a scar that spells out help me as if she's calling from the inside. Yeah. So he immediately turns in a report that's like, yo, I think we need an exorcism. And I don't really have like evidence, <laughs> evidence, but I did use good judgment and we checked out like every other avenue. Something fucky is going on here. I mean, I do think he has what I would call, quote unquote, enough proof to go to like reach out yes. and like ask, should we do an exorcism? Because he's got the voices on tape. He's got the, uh, you know, the writing of help me. Like he's got some right. weird shit that definitely needs yeah. to be looked into and either disproven or an exorcism needs to be done. Right. And the church is like, yeah, this shit is weird. What about <laughs> Lancaster Marin or I don't know, uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren? <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, no. So uh, Lancaster Marin and they're like, well, he isn't he in Iraq on a digner Nineveh? And they're like, oh, no, he actually just came back. He's working on a book. Yeah. I would have loved if we would have cut to... Max von Sydow being like, and his throbbing member. Like he <laughs> He's writing like priest porno <laughs> fiction. I'm here for it. <laughs> yes. Get thee to a nunnery. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so they say he has experience and he did an exorcism about 10 to 12 years ago in Africa and that almost killed him. Yeah. So we cut to uh, somebody goes and tells him we immediately cut to the iconic shot of him getting out of the taxi in the fog such a great shot i mean i understand why they use it for the poster like it is iconic it's so great yeah, yeah it's such a great shot he walks into the house and immediately Ooh, can the- i talk about a shot i wanted but didn't get out of this movie yes Do you know when the mom is walking through the kitchen she answers the phone and the lights start like starting to flash even as she answers the phone uh-huh. and then she walks further into the kitchen and like all the lights go out and all you see is moonlight on her face uh-huh. I wanted to see instead of just like general moonlight, like moonlight, but like a cross on her face. Oh, yeah. Can I show you? Like, no, I know exactly the shot you're talking about. Yeah, I do. Because it, it, we get almost that shot. Yeah. Would have been fucking dope. No one does that. I, I need someone to play with that in a movie like this. I bet we get one in Pray for the Devil. Anyway, so when he walks into the house. Reagan immediately reacts and all of the legion within her start yelling his name. Yeah. Like they they know he's there. They're like, oh shit, it's about to get real up in her. Yep. 
And he turns to Father Karras, who's just like, I don't know how this is going to go. I've never had to do one of these. I didn't pass this unit at preschool. (laughs) I'm going to be honest with you. I did not pay attention in Exorcisms 101. Sorry. Because I did not think I would ever need it. I was too distracted by that blonde lady they let sit in our class. Uh, Anyway. I love how we're like making references to a movie we've only we seen have the not trailer seen. for. Yeah. Watch it's completely <laughs> different from what we imagine it to be. So Marin tells Father Karras, he's like, I'm gonna need special robes, the purple stole, the thing with the cross, the giant ritual book, like a like a grocery list of Catholic ritual items. I mean, I do love it. He's like, I need this ritual book, I need holy water, give me some purple stuff, give me some <laughs> yes. of that apple drink. Like it's a bunch of shit like that. I'm here for it. I need it. a number two combo from Burger King. <laughs> yeah. So he then gives him instructions like don't talk to it. It's gonna lie to you yeah. and try to confuse us. So don't listen to it. And he's like, Hey, do you want some like background on like what's going down up there? And he's like, All the same shit, man. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. it's all the same shit. He's like, No, I don't want any background on the case. You done one exorcism, you done them all. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh let me guess. A person has a demon inside him. Let's get this shit over with. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Could still hit the early bird special if we hurry. So he comes in and they start doing the prayers and the call and response. And this is where I just wrote in my notes, swear word Mad Libs. Because it's like, you're fucking cocking, you're fucking ass cocksucker, motherfucker cocksucker. And you're just like, what? Well, I think it's funny. While um, Max Monsetto is like doing the exorcism, she is like telling Karis to like, fuck him, fuck him in the ass. You're like, what the hell are you saying right now? She's possessed by George Carlin. It's not Aleister Crowley. (laughs) It's just a priest. Like, what are we doing? It's fun when bisexuality comes out in a weird way like Satanism. I know, right? I, honestly, so often. Yeah. At least during that period of time. You could just be bisexual. You don't have to create like ritual around it. I mean, hey, get flashy with it. Yeah, uh, have but, fun. But, like, she's basically floating on the bed, just like shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, <laughs> shit, fart, turd, and twat. And they're just like, and the call and response. All I want right now is like auto tune the news, but for that scene, like just like uh, <laughs> auto tune. I the love news. those videos, man. They're so dumb. The bed starts moving. Yeah, they're throwing holy water on on, and, and and she's like smoking, and in part because the room was so cold. Yeah, and we're getting subliminal flashes of the demon face, which is very scary. Oh yeah, and she's barfing everywhere and max von Sydow like presses the stole against her face because it has a cross on it yeah and and so it's just like literally physically being like the power of christ compels you and they are like going for it and she's floating the room is falling apart the attic like the ceiling is breaking it's this whole thing and she then floats back down to the bed and they tie her up she hits father karis tied up And then she stands up and she's like reaching towards the sky. We get a flash of like the snake dick statue from earlier. Yeah. And at this point, I think Father Karras knows who it is and what's going on. So they get her back onto the bed and he's like, we got to rest before we start again because, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Well, I mean, and uh, I think it's the cardinal that was like, who should we send to do the exorcism was like, yeah, that last exorcism that almost killed him. He it took a month. Months. So like it could take a while, like. Right. So you would need to rest. So he goes in and starts to take some of his heart pills to kind of calm down. Yeah. And Father Karras goes back into Reagan's room. And this is where she's just like talking to him as his mother and appearing as his mother. And he's like, you're not my fucking mother. Like, you are not my mom. And Marin comes in and is like, 
get out of here. Like you're too close to it. It's kind of like whenever Detective Stabler gets too angry during an interrogation. Yeah. It's like, go cool off. You know, like, bye. It is very much good priest, bad priest in this scene. <laughs> they do play good priest, bad yeah. priest in this scene. Uh, so Marin starts praying over her again. Uh, Karis goes downstairs to talk to her mom and she's like, is it over? No. He's like, it's fucked up up there, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, cause she's like, is it over? He's like, it is not over. <laughs> she's just like, she going to die. And it's almost like he's resolved at that point where he's like, no, I think this is where he formulates his plan to like take on the demon and kill himself. I, I think it's not until he realizes Marin is dead at that point. Okay. I mean, that could be too. He doesn't outwardly say anything about it. So like, it's hard right. to gauge when he had the thought, but I do think he resolves in this moment to do anything up to and including his own life being lost to save Reagan's. Yes. And I think part of that is tied to his mother. I think it's him being like, how dare that thing talk about that mother that way. I'm harboring so much guilt over it. Yeah. I will do anything to end that thing. Mm-hmm. So he comes upstairs and Father Marin is seemingly dead of a heart attack. Yeah. And Reagan is just sitting up chilling. Dude, she is laughing. She is like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so. I hate it so much. He tries to do CPR, but. No, no he no, does not. No, Paige. He beats the shit CPR. out of his dead body. Yeah. What he tries to do is physically assault a dead man. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And he yes. succeeds. But my favorite is. He turns to Reagan. He's like, you son of a bitch. And then he beats the shit, the shit out of the little Reagan. girl. Yeah. He goes full Mikey on this little girl and beats the shit out of her. He treated that girl like a kangaroo. Like, it is <laughs> And he wild. bounces on it and just beats the shit out of her. Uh, the Foley work here is good because it's like his back is like what's in front of the camera, but he's like right. punching it. Be well, like, yeah, because they don't want to show this grown man punching right. a child. A grown man that we know used to box yeah so he's like clunk and then it's like the demon voice being like oh <laughs> yeah they're like oh golden gloves over here <laughs> someone should do a movie about a priest boxer now if you would have put holy water on his fists that's how you do an oh. exorcism that's how you do a holy cross mikey <laughs> how have we not made this a holy left cross excuse me mike tyson's priest out like, have you guys seen the movie Kickboxer? Of course. 100%. Page? All right. So you know that scene in Kickboxer where he dips his hands in honey and then yes. dips him in the broken glass? All right. <laughs> I wanted to dip his hands in holy water and then just like crushed up Eucharist. Yeah. <laughs> like like the, mm-hmm, like the little mm-hmm. Jesus crackers and that and then Kickboxer it. Anyway, as he's beating her up, he's like, take me, take me instead. She reaches up and snatches his St. Christopher medallion. He ends up possessed. And he throws himself out the window and down the steps. I love this shot, too, because you see his face become demon-esque in nature. Like, he's got, like, contacts in. His eyes are yellowish or whatever. And then you see him fight it, and his face is normal. And then he jumps out the window. And you're like, yes! it's. I I love the ending of this movie. I think it's great. So his... friend father dyer comes to identify the body and he's still alive but dying on the sidewalk yeah and he holds his hand and gives him last confession which is very very sad i I, like cried a little bit but but. me too it was it was really sad i mean he's losing Mm -hmm. his undercover boyfriend or just best friend right or just best friend whatever it would be sad like mikey and i have never had sex yet but like if he oh died, I God. would cry. You know what I'm saying? I like that you said yet at the end of that. <laughs> like, I'm not ruling it out. Desert Island, it could happen. Weird things have happened, guys. I'm going to tell you what. If I fall down a bunch of steps and I'm dying and you're like over my body, there's no fucking way I'm holding your hand. 
Wait, would you hold my hand? Of course, Paige. Of course I would. Wow. <laughs> Rude. Wow. Okay. That's the bond between two people who haven't given each other COVID. Because mm-hmm. you already had it, Paige. Yeah, I do. I've already given you COVID. What else do you want from me? <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Mikey? I have yet to thank you for that. You're welcome. I got my COVID from a famous person. <laughs> <laughs> So did Todd. I was about to say, so did I. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we cut to, they're packing up to leave the house. Reagan is cured, or at least recovering. I do wish she had two black eyes, and I realize that that is insane, but she just got beat up by a boxing priest. She does have some scars, though. So maybe this is is a while later, but (laughs) the black eyes would have been kind of funny. Like she takes the sunglasses off like her mom did earlier when talking to Karis and that she had a black guy, but it's like now Reagan who has the black guy. Uh, anyway, Father Dyer comes to visit them. And uh, well, I do like that as they're like packing up, <laughs> Ellen Burstyn is just like, you sure you don't want to continue to be a like a, a housekeeper or a governess? And the lady's like, no, I'm sure. Yeah, this is <laughs> definitely my last job in this field. Yes. Uh, anyway, they go outside and Father Dyer is outside and she says to Father Dyer, she doesn't remember any of it. And Father Dyer's like, that's good. It's all done. And then she gives him back the medallion yeah. that she found in the house. We get a cut of the steps and him just kind of walking and considering the steps. I think he's like, this is wildly inappropriate that these <laughs> steps are not blocked off. And, I mean, and you could say... We got to install bumpers. Even if they're not dangerous, we do need to install bumpers. But two crimes have happened on that staircase in the past week. The cops yeah. should be like, hey, we're doing some forensic analysis of these steps. Yeah. Hey, we're going to put in one of those stair chairs. Yes. Oh, they absolutely should have put in like a stair chair. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A stair chair and a slide. I don't want no big government messing with my (laughs) stairs. Messing with my stairs? You're like, they're coming for my stairs. They're coming for my gas ovens. They're coming for my gas cars. First, it was the guns and I said nothing for I was not a gun. Then it was the gas stoves and I said nothing because I cannot cook. Then it was the stairs and there was no one left to climb the steps for me. Anyway, we hear tubular bells one last time. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the, the movie. movie. So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, what did you guys think about The Exorcist? I mean, horrible mishandling of the safety of the people involved. Yes. Uh, and and questionable treatment of child actors, 100%. Right. But what do you think about the movie itself, not the problematic way they made, they made it? That said, beautifully shot. And beautifully I actually shot. did really enjoy it. Yeah. I think one of the reasons we still talk about this movie to this day is it's because it's like one of 20 70s movies that like hold up as far as like mm. production wise goes. A lot of 70s movies, and I love a lot of them, but they like, they're hard to watch sometimes because they don't like understand pacing yet or how to do a cut correctly or stuff like that. So I think, you know, I've obviously watched this already for the podcast. So this is like my second time doing an episode on it. And it was way easier to watch this time. Like to me, the scariest like part of this movie, the second time watching it was how the doctors treat the mom in this movie. But it is still pretty 
scary. And I could definitely see why in the 70s it was terrifying because you didn't have like The Last Exorcism or Deborah Logan or any of those other exorcism exorcism movies that have taken what this started and is built on it, right? So I, I really do think it should be appreciated like it is. Like this is one of those movies that's held up that I think should be held up like this. So Mike, do you have any final thoughts before we move into fun facts? That's pretty good. Okay, so Paige, do you have any fun facts for us? Yes. Well, hit us with your fun facts. Hey, soup, fun facts. facts. The scene where Reagan projectile vomits pea soup onto Father Karras was done in one take. Okay. Because it was supposed to hit him, the actor, Jason Miller, in the chest, but the tubing misfired and hit him directly in the face. Yeah, it does. So his look of shock and disgust is very real, <laughs> and they just kept it in the movie. I sort of love that. And he was furious about it. Oh, I'm sure. It looks like it hurt. Probably. After this movie, uh, Linda Blair, who played Reagan, received many, many death threats what? Uh, because people Why? believed that the film glorified Satan. And so she had bodyguards protecting her for more than six months after the film's release. People Yo, are so she's dumb. a fucking actress. This she's is a, a child. movie. What is, is wrong with you people? Jesus. Like, for, forget actress movie. She is a child. I mean, child. all of that, obviously, yes. This is a yeah. fucking movie, you idiot. Yeah, that's it. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yes. Now, Jason Miller and William Friedkin, the director, did not always get along. Uh, in fact, they had a verbal confrontation uh, because one time William Friedkin fired a gun near Jason Miller's ear to try and get an authentic surprise reaction from him. And Jason Miller was like, yeah, I'm a fucking actor. You don't need to like you didn't need the gun. Like, this is ridiculous. This is actually Jason Miller's first film ever, ever. Uh, he was a stage actor. Uh, primarily, and he receives an Oscar nomination for his role as Father Karras because of this film, um, which I think his performance is amazing. He's great in this movie. I think he's very good. Yeah, I mean, he certainly doesn't seem like it's his first movie, but you said no. he did a bunch of stage stuff before this. He did so a bunch of stage he's, stuff he's been an, oh, probably He probably had been a working actor for years before this movie. Most of his life, I would imagine, yeah. yes. Um, so the studio originally wanted Marlon Brando for Father Marin. I mean, Marlon Brando would have been fine. I do think this was in Marlon Brando's like fully gone crazy phase. So I would yes. have loved the book about the making of this movie if Marlon Brando was in it. <laughs> but I, I think Max von Sydow does a great job. I think Max von Sydow is the right choice because I think Marlon Brando would have been like, I'm going to give this demon an offer. But also, <laughs> if Marlon Brando signed on, I think he would like, I think we need more Merrick in this film. I think he's criminally underused. Marin, yeah. Yeah, more Marin. And like, Brando would have been like, yes. So it would have been like 30 more minutes yeah. of him just being bonkers fighting a demon. And I kind of want that. I mean, the reason that this doesn't happen is because William Friedkin vetoes it. Because he's like, then it's a Marlon Brando movie, not The Exorcist. Yes, and that is true, especially at this time. And that is true. Yeah. So during the first day of filming, they actually filmed The Exorcism first. Oh, no shit. Okay. Yeah. Linda Blair's delivery of some of her foul mouth dialogue upset Max von Sydow so much he forgot his lines. Oh, what a sweet sheltered man that he's never heard a child cuss before. I've never heard a child cuss like that because it's not. God knows I it's have. Weird Mad Libs. Uh, originally, when this was released in the UK, some towns had a complete ban on showing the film at any local theaters. Oh my god! So <laughs> this led to people organizing exorcist bus trips, 
where travel companies would organize bus tours to take groups to the nearest town where the exorcist was showing. That's hilarious that they had to do that. Like, it's so wild to me. Like, when you watch this movie, remember that, like, cities banned it. Like, that's insane. Oh, yeah. According to William Friedkin, uh, some of the subliminal shots of the demon face, because they're throughout the film, uh, but those are actually rejected makeup tests for Reagan's possessed appearance. Okay. Uh, in order to get the frost breath in this movie, they had to refrigerate the set yeah. for weeks at a time. And Linda Blair would have to be stuck in the refrigerated set the entire time. <laughs> and she's only wearing like a flimsy nightgown. And again, she is fucking 12, yeah. basically. Well, it's so they could get the breath to show up on yes. film, right? And it's not just yeah. Linda Blair's breath. Like you see the priest's breath is also. It is. Yeah. But she is the one laying there the whole time. Everyone else comes in and out of the room. Yeah, I'm just yeah. saying like you can tell it's actually cold in that room because yes. it's everyone in that shot. It's not just her. Everybody. And she says to this day, she can't stand being cold. I can't stand being cold, so I understand. And I was not assaulted as a child and forced to be in a... Like, what would be like a walk-in freezer with your room built in it? Yeah. There's a lot of records of people passing out, fainting in theaters when seeing this movie. Of course. And a lot of people think it, it was overblown for marketing. However, there are at least two specific stories that we can corroborate. In part, because... During a reunion of the cast on Good Morning America in 1984, Ellen Burstyn told a story of when she was in Tucson, Arizona, filming a different movie when The Exorcist came out. She actually went to go see it in the theaters. And in the scene where Reagan has her arteriogram, so she has the the blood spurting from Mm. the arterial catheter. Yeah. uh, People fainted in the theater and she actually saw a woman wobbling up the aisle and was worried that she would pass out. So she got up and followed her and the woman did faint and Ellen Burstyn caught her. But she realized that when the woman came to, it might freak her out more for the woman in the movie to be holding her in the theater. (laughs) I would lose my mind too, honestly. Like that would be very scary. Absolutely. So she grabbed someone else nearby to take over But also, in 1974, an audience member who saw the movie during its theatrical release fainted and broke her jaw on the seat in front of her. Oh, God. And then sued Warner Brothers and the filmmakers, complaining that the subliminal imagery used in the film had caused her to pass out, and they settled out of court for an undisclosed sum. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Now, most of Reagan's dialogue, especially that uh, supposed to be the demon, is actually performed by actress Mercedes McCambridge. Uh, She insisted on swallowing raw eggs and chain smoking to alter the sound of her voice. She had also been sober, but specifically asked to drink whiskey to distort her voice even more. Because she'd had alcohol abuse problems in the past, she actually had a priest be present while drinking to record some of those sessions. Okay. So that she would then return to sobriety after. However, she was also she also requested that she be bound to a chair, uh, much like Reagan's bound to the bed, so that she could pull against restraints as she recorded the vocals. Um, Interesting. I actually sort yes. of admire that level of like yeah yeah thought it's, that went into that performance. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Friedkin says that the extremes that she put herself through terrifies him to this day. 
But here's what's going to make you kind of sad about it. Oh, no. Originally, she was not credited for her role. Really? Yes. Don't love that. Yeah. So she had to sue for credit. Uh, William Friedkin said that originally she didn't want credit, but as we just covered, maybe she was under the influence at the time. Sure. However, once it was released, she changed her mind and she had to fight to get credit. Now, this posed a bit of a problem because by the time that this came out in the press, Linda Blair had already been nominated for Best Supporting Actress. And no one really knew that Mercedes McCambridge had contributed to the performance as well in as much as she had. And by Academy rules... Once she was once Linda Blair was given the nomination, it couldn't be withdrawn. But because of the controversy over who truly performed the role and if you could credit only one of those people award wise, it ruined her chances of winning the award and she lost. That sucks. It does kind of suck because here's the thing. I I believe uh, Mercedes McCambridge should be credited. I believe she could have been nominated. Either. Yeah. Great. However, I also think that the amount of work physically that Linda Blair does in this movie stands on its own. Yes. You know, like she also is deserving. So the famous scene uh, where he comes out of the taxi and stands in the fog uh, is actually inspired by a series of paintings from the 50s called Empire of Light by Rene Magritte. Uh, so it was actually stylized to look like a painting. Interesting. I mean, it does. That is cool. Um before starting the exorcism, Father Marin asks Chris whether her daughter has a middle name. That's because in the Middle Ages, Catholics would give their children several names because they believed it would hinder demons from finding out the child's real complete name and controlling their soul. Because apparently demons are Rumpelstiltskin. Apparently. Yeah. For the record, Tatum O'Neill won Best Supporting Actress Oh, in 1974 for Paper Moon, yes. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I looked it up because I was interested uh, who actually won that year. It's wild that it's two child actors the same year. Yeah, that is pretty wild. Anyway, director William Friedkin would eventually ask to have the set exercised. And they thought that would freak out the cast. But they did call a reverend in to give a blessing and talk to reassure the cast and crew. That's so funny to me. <laughs> yeah. In a deleted scene that we did not see today that is only in the director's cut, uh, it is referred to as the spider walk scene. Yes, I've seen it. You see, it's creepy. It is very creepy, yeah. It involves a contortionist named Anne Miles who performed it on set uh, with wires. Yeah. However, William Friedkin deleted the the scene from the theatrical edit because at the time they were not able to remove the wires to his satisfaction. Yeah. Um, However, almost 30 years later, when they were able to treat the film in a way that could make it a little bit more realistic looking uh, with wires digitally removed, he did re-add it to the director's cut along with a number of other deleted scenes. um, Mostly those favored by the man who wrote the book who was sad that some of the book scenes didn't end up in the movie. Yeah. So in the director's cut, a lot of them get re-added. And that author is uh, William Peter Blatty. About William Peter Blatty, he actually won $10,000 on the Groucho Marx show, uh, <laughs> You Bet Your Life, yeah, okay. in 1950. And when Groucho asked what he planned to do with the money, he said he planned to take some time off work to write a novel. This is that novel. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Isn't that crazy? Yes, that is crazy. Yeah. The way that they did the help me on the torso uh, was they made a foam latex replica of her belly and then they used a paintbrush and cleaning fluid 
to create a chemical burn on the fake latex and filmed it in reverse. So it looks like okay. they are appearing as they're receding. Yeah, okay. So, as I mentioned, Father Dyer, William O'Malley, is an actual priest who actually taught at a Jesuit high school at the time and all the way up through 2012. No so, shit. Yeah. Imagine going to a Jesuit school and having your priest be this guy. Yeah, I know, right? That's insane. That would, that would be really bomb. That would be cool, though. I'd be like, oh, I yeah. know you from that movie you were in where you played yourself, more or less. Yep. So The Exorcist is one of only two horror films to ever be nominated for Best Picture. Do you know what the second one is? No, I don't. It's Get Out. Oh, no oh. shit. That's right. It won. It won. That's right. It did not win. Oh, he won for best screenplay. Sorry. Yeah. Not best picture. You're right. But there was a debate at the time that people were going to try and classify it as a thriller. And he argued and petitioned for it to still be horror. Yeah. This is when that whole elevated, elevated horror concept like started to take hold. And yeah. 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 But he did it so that a horror movie got nominated because other than that, The Exorcist is the only one since Jaws, Silence of the Lambs and Sixth Sense were all listed as thrillers yeah and not horror um so jordan peele fought to be horror they initially wanted to change the title of the film because they sent out a survey and found that none of the participants knew what an exorcist was wow that is insane. which is wild that's wild to me think about i mean this movie is 50 years old it turns 50 this year actually i looked it up and Everyone knows what an exorcism is now because of this. Right. Yes. Yeah, of course. That's wild. Anyway, Audrey Hepburn and Bancroft and Shirley MacLaine were all considered for the role of Chris McNeil. Shirley MacLaine specifically, uh, it was written with her and her daughter in mind. Really? Uh, yes. And she would turn it down to do a different exorcism movie called The Possession of Joel Delaney. Well, who hasn't heard of that movie? I mean, this is the biggest mistake of the century. I personally think Marlon Brando should have played every character. <laughs> um, Ellen Burstyn, and you can actually see this in the film because I noticed it as well, wears a bracelet with a horseshoe charm on it. And she thought it was kind of interesting for her character to have this idea of luck, but be completely ill-equipped to fight the devil. Um, so no crosses or anything. She went with a horseshoe instead. Okay. And after they started, they ended filming. The last day of, of filming, she gave the bracelet to Linda Blair. Aww. Several years later, they ended up on the same flight to Los Angeles, and Linda was still wearing the bracelet at the time. Oh my Aww. god! I love that story so much. So the original, the original shooting schedule for this movie was eighty-five days, which is a decent shooting yeah. schedule. But it actually took them 224 days to film this movie. Oh, wow. In part because they had to take multiple breaks due to the severe injury sustained by cast members. Okay, that makes sense. So it's not 200 and some days consecutively. It's gotcha. right. It's like 30 days and oh shit, we broke our child actress's back. We have to yes. put it on hold for a while. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Probably need 10 days to at least cover this up from the press. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Uh, Linda Blair hated vegetables so much at the time of filming that the use of pea soup in and around her mouth actually did make her vomit a number of times. Oh, wow. Okay. The terrible. I mean, pea soup is gross. I get it. It's pretty gross. Now, the original poster, obviously the poster that is iconic and famous for this film is that shot under the lamppost. Um, but the original poster proposed by the studio was a drawing of Reagan's hand holding the bloody crucifix 
from that scene. Yeah. Okay. And the tagline for the movie was God help this girl. <laughs> and William Friedkin vetoed that because he was like, God shouldn't be on this poster. Right. I don't think as they were in pre-production, the producers and William Friedkin really had their eye on one specific actress to play the role of Reagan. And that was Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, mm. But her mother, Janet Lee, famous scream queen herself. Was like, no, I'm not going to let my daughter be a Nepo baby. Well, she refused <laughs> to let her audition for that particular movie after reading the script. And honestly, probably, probably a for good the call. best. Yeah. Um, for most of the vomiting sequences, there was actually an additional double, uh, largely uncredited at the time, uh, named Eileen Dietz, where she would end up suing later for credit in this movie and winning also. Um, but they had to rig her face with a flange and a tube for the vomiting, yeah. which required her to keep her mouth forcibly opened for hours at a time so that she could not swallow or close her mouth oh, while filming. Good Lord. That yes. sounds terrible. It does. The studio was worried this movie would get an X rating, but it got an R with no cuts. Which, considering what is in the film, yeah. is madness. Right. Um, however, their decision, they listed it as, it's a brilliant, intelligent film that deserved to be seen by a wider audience, and therefore, they gave it R instead of X. But many American cities and cities in Europe specifically banned it within city limits or chose to disregard their decision and list the rating as X. In the scene in the language lab, there's a white banner that's visible that says Tatsu Tatsukete. I'm probably pronouncing this wrong. T-A-S-U-K-E-T-E, written in red. Uh, but it means help me in Japanese. Okay. And those are your fun facts. Well, thank you for those fun facts, Paige. I have an additional fun fact. Oh, there's. I was going to say there's plenty online around, so I'm not surprised, but go ahead. So, so a listener sent me this while I was watching it. Do you know that there is a actual murderer in this movie? Oh, yes, I do. I'm so sorry I didn't include that, but I do. It's one of the other doctors. I have the whole all the information. Yeah. So go he was it. an x-ray technician in the scene yes. where they're taking x-rays and the director, Friedkin, just wanted like realism and like was just like having him help set up stuff and used a lot mm -hmm. of his shots while he was setting up the equipment. And he, I think it was later in the 70s, like 79 or 78, that he like was Like two to convicted. three years after this movie, yeah. Well, it was 79. I just looked it up. It was in 1979, oh, okay. he was arrested and sent to jail for murdering somebody. And then later in jail, confessed to many other murderers that he may or may not have done. So he's either, he's at least a murderer, possibly a serial killer in this movie. Right. Um, I don't want to tell you his name. If you're interested, look it up. You can find his name online. Okay. So this movie premiered in December of 1973. What do you think the production budget was for The Exorcist back in the 70s? I have to recuse myself. Okay. $3 million. I will say that that's a pretty good guess because you're trying to like factor in inflation which is a big part of it, but it was actually $12 million, Mikey. But if you factor in inflation, that is $84 million today. I mean, that makes sense. So like if you're talking to your boomer dad and he's like, I don't understand kids today. They can't just buy a house when they get their first job. That's because your dad was paid $12,000 at his first job ever. And that was actually like $84,000 today. You also have to remember the book was wildly famous. Oh, yeah. So that's oh, yeah. why this got the budget it did because it had a bestseller book behind it. Yeah. 
So that's why they're able to pull this off. Yeah. But as I said, it premiered in December of that year. Now, because it's so long ago, I don't have like the week to week breakdown. So I can't tell you what it made in its opening weekend. But I think you should guess, Mikey, as to how much it made in the theaters in 1973. And I will be honest, this does include in the year 2000, they did a re-release where it was in theaters for 13 weeks. So this does include the money it made that year. I'm going to go big. I'm going to go real big. $300 million? Mikey, that's a very good guess. But it's not quite right. But it made $230.3 million. Okay domestically wait a second it made another 197.8 million dollars internationally for a total of 428.2 million dollars now if you adjust that for inflation that is almost three billion dollars it's 2.9 billion dollars that it made in theaters now that is that is worldwide right I did discover while doing my box office research on this film that it is currently the number two best performing horror movie at the box office when you adjust for inflation. Mm -hmm. Only being beaten by a movie that came out two years after this that we've also done, Jaws. Exorcist is number two right behind that. And then Ghostbusters, Sixth Sense, and believe it or not, Gremlins at number five on that list. Anyway, that is your box office. So, Mikey, do you want to hit him with that scary scale? Yeah, scary scale listeners, a scale of 1 to 10 uh, of how scary we found the film when we watched it this time. Our one example is Ghostbusters, and our 10 example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Paige. I'm actually going to give this about a 4. Okay, all right. Okay. I, I mean, exorcisms in particular really bother me. But also, I found a lot of some of the like creeping dread scares very effective. Yeah. I mean, I do think this movie holds tension really well. Mm-hmm. But for mm-hmm. me, I'm going to give it a 2. But largely because of the medical scenes where like they're sticking yeah. night needles in her neck and she's like squirting blood. I hate that shit. Ugh. I'm going to go ahead and give it a one. I mean, you've seen it before. It's also not as scary as a lot of other yes. movies we've done that are a lot like this movie. Because I'm trying know. to be more forgiving on some. I mean, I try to be like more objective on my scales. But sure. I wasn't super scared of this one. Yeah, that's fair. But you've also both seen it before. On, yes. It was yes. my first time. I honestly don't remember what I gave it the first time. It was literally the first episode we ever did. Did you even have a scary scale? Oh, yeah. We had planned out pretty well for what the show was going to be. I mean, obviously it evolved over over time when Mikey killed Clint and you killed Jen, but um, you know, <laughs> we got where we got. So this week you all made me watch the exorcist. What are we watching next week? Or I should say, what are we rewatching next week? It's listener request. It is the listener request. Now the listener request, obviously we leave it up to the listeners on Patreon and they whittled it down to the following four movies that they wanted us to revisit. And that was Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, which is a movie I love, and I do think you both should see if you haven't seen. But it didn't win. The Shining was the other one. The Witch was another one. And Cabin in the Woods was the winner. And it, man, it won. It won with 45% of the vote. The next closest was Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, with 20% of the vote. So Cabin in the Woods crushed it. Where was uh, House 2 on that? Uh, House 2 didn't make... The final four, although it was close. I think it was number six. No joke. It was like six on the recommended list. It's because number five was the one I was kind of pulling for, which was Jennifer's body. It was. Yeah. Jennifer's body was super high up there, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Anyway, so your homework for next week is to revisit 
I think, a pretty fun movie, Cabin in the Woods. I do love Cabin in the Woods right up until the end. I don't love the end, but literally everything up until that is perfection. Yeah. We, we will have a very similar opinion on this. Well, you'll yes, hear that yes. opinion next week after you've done your homework and watched Cabin in the Woods. So, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? No. Well, while you're looking one up, let me tell them how they can have their review right on the podcast, and that is to leave us a five-star text review. And we'll have Mikey read it for you. So, Mikey, whose review are you going to read this week? And feel free to have read them beforehand. No, I was not going to do that. (laughs) I'm going to read Kara Renee's. All right. Well, what does Kara Renee have to say? A delightful horror movie podcast. Oh, why, thank you. I don't recall how I came across this delightful gem of a podcast, but I'm so glad I did. It's a podcast so good you lose short-term memories. Paige, Mikey, and horror virgin Todd have the type of best friend energy that makes this podcast easy to binge and hard not to love. Aww. Aww. This trio each lends their own unique voice and perspective to the movies they cover, literally and figuratively. I love the all-around structure of this podcast and how they combine interesting fun facts, humor, and commentary. I also really appreciate how they include trigger disclaimers when discussing sensitive topics and do so with genuine compassion and respect to the listener's mental health. And if you are a fan of horror but deal with trauma, I highly checking out I highly recommend checking out the horror version. Thanks for doing what you do. Wishing you all a healthy and happy 2023. Six, no, five stars. Why did you think she (laughs) gave six stars? You can't do that, Mikey. Well, she added star emojis at the end. Oh, okay, okay. That actually okay. does make sense. I apologize okay. for attacking and, like, you just when you now. stare at star emojis, they like start to like run together. I mean, I get it. Kara Renee, thank you so much for that awesome five-star review. And if you want to have Mikey read your five-star review, leave us a five-star review. So, guys, if you like this show but want to hear this power thruple on another movie review show about romance and romantic comedies, check out Romancing the Pod, where Mikey, Paige, and I break down and make fun of romantic movies. It's a lot of fun, guys. Check it out. If you want to follow us on social, please do. We are at Horror Virgin or online at HorrorVirgin.com. If you want to follow us all individually, you can do that as well. Page is at Page Wesley on Twitter or Rampage Wesley everywhere else, including TikTok. Mikey is at M Randolph24, and I am at Todd J Awesome. If you like the show so much and you want to help financially support it, please do by going to patreon.com slash horror virgin where you can get a lot of great levels and a lot of great stuff like bonus episodes, director's cut episodes where they're a little bit longer and you get them actually a day earlier mm-hmm, than the regular mm-hmm. feed drop. We do a lot of great things like listener requests and stuff like that so guys check out the patreon and help support the show if you want to financially support me but not todd just look me up on venmo if you can't financially support the show that's understandable that's fine but if you want to hang out with us on the daily join the facebook group uh, at facebook.com slash group slash horror virgin we also link it like once a week so just find it there and join the awesome facebook group literally we're in there talking every day it's awesome and guys we got a p.o box so if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a p.o box it's actually not a p.o box it's like a regular street address it's pretty awesome it's 6688 nolensville road number 108-34 brentwood tennessee 37027 so send us some stuff yeah and if you want to check out our twitch stream we're at twitch.tv slash todd awesome where we will be playing horror video games so if you have always wondered what it would be like to watch me get scared you can now do that on twitch while i play these horror games it's Twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, guys. Check it out. It's a lot of fun for you. Not a lot of fun for me. And if you haven't noticed, 
Since October 1st, we have been running the new Horror Virgin blog. And when I say we, I really mean Katie from the Facebook group. She's been running everything. She's like the managing editor of the Horror Virgin blog. So if you haven't been to our Horror Virgin blog, go check it out. It's at horrorvirgin.com slash blog. You'll see it. It's awesome. There's a lot of great articles. I mean, at the end of October, we have 31 awesome articles up and they will continue after October, not on a daily schedule though. That's just too much for Katie to handle, but check out our awesome Horror Virgin blog up now. This episode brought to you by Tia and Tia's teenagers been driving her crazy. So how was Tia's teenager driving her crazy this week? She threw a man out the window and he died. <laughs> I was going to say she keeps spitting pea soup everywhere. But... Oh, that's a good one. Too. Well, hopefully, Tia, you have hardwood floors and cleaning up the split pea soup is easy. I apologize. This episode also brought to you by Jonathan. And Jonathan wants to show us some videos. So he has sent us a video that we will watch and give commentary on. This is a video entitled Music Makes a Difference. It does. Oh, my God. And it's like Voldemort. Mm-hmm. Feeling himself, feeling his oats. Yeah, I remember the scene. It is a creepy scene uh, in the movie. Uh, 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 oh man, it does really seem like he is like falling in love with who is the rat character? What's that guy's name? Um, Templeton. No, I know that's not right. But. <laughs> uh, he was he was Ron's rat for like four movies and he didn't know Scabbers. Yeah, he does look like he's falling in love with Scabbers, the mouse or whatever his name was when he wasn't a mouse who I, I just don't remember because I haven't watched those movies in a long time. So, Jonathan, thank you so much for the support and the silly videos. We appreciate it. We now return you to another episode of uh, the, the Patreonicals. Welcome back. After the tournament. The tournament of stuff. Do you remember who won, Mikey? I don't remember who won. Who won last time? Oh, my God, Mikey. It was the donut. The winner is the joy that That's we right. found along the way. Oh, yeah. okay, the donut. The donut also won as well. The shining donut is the champion. Yes. They're playing queens. We are the champions. Yeah. In ancient Greece. Medal. Yeah. Boom. And Anthony the Time Master and Sophia the Time Cop and Jennifer with a PH were like, uh, we're time patrol or whatever, and like this was an amusing side note. But let's make you go do something else. And they like sn- like clap their hands and they vanish, and then they appear. Where Todd? Oh wait, I thought we were stopping the whole time jumping storyline. Do you need some? We're gonna leave them in Athens, Greece. No, I thought like, we were gonna t- jump them back to just regular time. Oh man, let's do one more. I'm not prepared to change the format at this time. Okay, let me do a little research here. A Viking ship. We've done that. We've done that era. <laughs> <laughs> let's go to france 1851 that was the year napoleon iii staged his first coup he's not gonna know about that okay Todd. well he didn't listen to the behind the bastards episodes on napoleon that's III. literally what i do i listened to that like two weeks ago well we'll do it whatever if it helps he gets scared and shoots someone in the mouth and then the actual king of france gives him a hundred thousand dollars and sends him to america i don't know if that helps but Anyway, Isaac starts by eating the king of France. Wow, that started out of the gate weird. Okay. Because he likes royal blood. Oh, yeah. Who doesn't, though? You ever had blue blood, blue blood barbecue? It's hard to say, but it's delicious. Napoleon III shoots Dave in the eye, and he Dave dies. 
Okay. Uh, <laughs> Kate and Amy and Dresco get together, and they have finally completed, with Mr. Ragebomb's help, their device to stop time traveling. And they're like, all we got to do is buy time for one more episode for him to think of a way to use this thing, <laughs> and then we can be okay. Oh, man. This is so meta. <laughs> Scott made of the thing kills 17 Frenchmen because they were very rude to him. Honestly, that checks out. Yeah. He just stomps them into the ground. Uh, Danielle's long fingers are used to smoke French cigarettes. <laughs> Aaron, who is also now has very long fingers, her fingers got mistaken as baguettes and someone ate, tried to eat one. Those are really long fingers if they're getting mistaken for French bread. They're very long fingers. Okay. Uh, Wes, who is now a very handsome dude, is enjoying his newfound handsomeness and... Kind of sleeps with a couple of French ladies back in the day. It sounds to me like some ladies in France are uh, really enjoying his new handsomeness, yes. too. Yeah, He gets to see their underpants, you know what I'm saying? Because he's in France. France, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, everyone in Paris looks down on Shining Donut for being an inferior form of food and not from France. <laughs> but he has a gold medal. They don't respect his medal? They don't. French people are so rude. <laughs> Nathan, the professional wrestler, and Bo Easy, the Florida man, they are like doing some like like carnival barker stuff, and um, in the streets of Paris. And um, Cody has sets up his pawn shop to sell tickets to their show, and it goes great. Allie, the mermaid, she currently has human legs, and she drinks coffee, and also does not like France because. People are very rude to her. (laughs) I'm sensing a theme amongst the French. Or at least Mikey's version of the French. Yeah. Jeremy with laser eyes. He goes ahead and he lasers uh, Napoleon III and kills him after he was shot Dave. Well, that's going to dramatically alter history, but okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I know. That's going to cause some issues. Yeah. Uh, Libby's long fingers, she uses to really freak out people like she's like and then she pokes them in the eyes because they were also being very judgmental towards her fingers <laughs> some might say they were being rude right mikey yeah alex the magician fits right, right along into france because he is also very rude and looks down upon other people who are not magicians <laughs> uh lauren the cave person went and had some french food and then clubbed the person who was guarding the louvre was was that built at that time yeah yeah here we go then uh she was paid by vance the serial killer and garotica so vance the serial killer went into the louvre because it was like on his bucket list to kill someone in the louvre and he did yeah the louvre was uh completed on august 10th 1793 i just checked to make sure but yes we're in we're in the clear yeah and garotica wanted to go in there to slice up a painting uh with her heavy metal uh guitar uh, axe guitar and she did and she was like this is amazing and at the end of the day captain bruder and wolfric just kind of walk around and they're like they meet with amy and dreskel and they're like we've got to get out of here didn't we invent a time ship a few episodes ago and what was it was it a bus or no it was the santa maria i can't believe you confused a bus with the santa maria it's the so, bus of the seas. Captain <laughs> Captain Bruder and Wolfric take the time device to the Santa Maria because I think they're going to try to escape the timeline. Well, I guess we'll have to wait to next week to find out if they do, in fact, escape the timeline on another episode of uh, The, the Patrioticals. Patrioticals. 
And that's going to be it for us this week. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin, Todd. Keep it ookie spooky. Yeah. Have a great week. Bye. Possessioned nerds.